Stick in rink pod from Callwood. Stick in rink pod. Hey, what's up? Stick in rink podcast. Okay, there okay. you go. Yeah. That's oh. the Canuck logo, by the way, stick and rink. When I watched the Canuck, the speed's great, but they need a bit of spark. I was wondering if it would be possible to give it by having Frank Drebin shit on the ice. Thanks for that. It takes a special kind of Vancouver selects from the University of Michigan, Quinn Hughes. This is Jim Benning, you got the wrong number. This is Jim Benning, you got the wrong number. You guys ready today or what? This is where we clean up today, boys. Why isn't anyone taking full lane? You know, um, speed and skill, remember. You know, speed and skill. Vancouver Canucks select um, as a team right now. We don't want to, you know, uh, this is Jim Benning, you got the wrong number. Coming to you from the shores of beautiful Vancouver Island, this is the Stick in Rink podcast. My name's Isha alongside my good pal Dylan and... Not so beautiful outside today, but eh, we needed the rain here. Rain here on the island. We really did, and uh, it, it's it's beautiful in its own way. It, it really is. is. Well, the rainforest, it's, it's a- absolutely gorgeous. And uh, you know, things are starting to pick up now off off the ice in the NHL. Ooh. And uh, so many. And that, that's an understatement. It's really picking yeah, up. I mean, this it's going episode nuts. is jam packed, ladies and gentlemen. So usually, Dylan and I we do a little bit of banter, you know, before the episode. Uh, today, a little we'll, trip to trail. A little trip to trail, but we may have already may have already gone there and back. Uh, we're gonna jump right into the episode, folks. Episode ninety eight of the Sticker Ring Podcast. However, I just wanted to quickly highlight this teat that this uh, tweet. This teat. <laughs> Off to a good start, bud. Um, which is, I, I literally just looked at it right now, like seconds a before recording. Uh, the KHL at KHL underscore ENG, the English account of the Continental uh, Hockey League. They know something about a teat. They retweeted uh, a, a tweet by Donald Trump, and their caption was, Life without hockey is, and the retweet is boring. Exclamation mark. We I retweeted it from the, the stick and rink account. Um it's fucking hilarious. So KHL, stick taps to you, and I don't say that often. Well, yeah, the basically the reason we brought that up is we've never really given stick taps to the KHL, and no, this never. is the one instance, so here you go. There you that go. tweet got you on the stick and ring podcast. And uh don't forget to tune in to CHLY one oh one seven FM. We know uh, those folks in Russia will now. Uh, Sundays from 5 to 7 p.m. You can stream it online as well, chly.ca, and that's 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the final dates of our live chly shows this summer are as followed. Uh, July 14th and July 28th, you can download Hour 1 and Hour 2 of the June 16th show. Uh, book those two days off, ladies and gentlemen, July 14th. 
and July 28th. Hell, we may even go for three hours. So around oh, it's so, gonna be crazy. So four to seven, keep it open again, Pacific time. Um, if you can't listen live through your AM radio or FM radio, you can find us chly.ca or you can download it via podcast on the same uh, uh, feed that you find this podcast. Or you can just stop by Arby's place and he has it playing yeah, already. It so just stop by there and you'll, you can listen to it. Um, Patreon, we uh, we have exclusive giveaways plus extra content to all of our loyal patrons. So folks, support us. All donations go towards improving the show. So I guess oh, ri- I guess ride the pod. We we just recorded a banger of an episode too, folks. Oh yeah, it was all it was like it was the road trip to trail. <laughs> That's such. A that should one. be the new name of that podcast. Hey, if, hey, so a little, little summer podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Maybe trail smoke eaters could uh, sponsor it. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, if, it's junior hockey. You know? If they get the joke, I don't know if they'd want to. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll put that on the shelf and uh, and re-enter it another time. But folks, again, as Dylan was saying, there's the Patreon pre-game show name still up in the air. <laughs> clearly, a uh, one dollar, folks, one dollar to our Patreon page gets you that additional episode of Stick and Rink, and uh, you know you're eligible to uh, win exclusive giveaways plus extra content. So subscribe today. But folks, as always, the best thing you can do today is give us five stars on any podcast platform. Thank you to those who have recently rated and reviewed us on uh, Apple Podcast and, like Dylan said, whatever uh, platform you listen to your podcasts from. Okay, jam-packed show, so no names of the game this week, ladies and gentlemen. Right off the bat, it's been cut. I just deleted it off the outline. Um, And I know every now and then we say it's a jam-packed show, and it ends up being an hour and a half, hour 40 Folks, we're going to keep this one around that time frame, but we're going to shoot a ton of hockey talk at you and as well or as well as give give our opinions on it. So we have our quick hits and like last week, they be quick. Not not as entertaining as last week, but they're still going to be quick. Yeah, they're going to be nice and quick and then we're going to move on to the NHL talk, the, the meat on the bone, oh, so much of it, which is brought to you by Auto Smile. You smile, we smile. Auto, Auto Smile. smile. Um, then we are bringing on our guest, uh, friend of the show, Curtis Tonef, former GM and head coach of the Nanaimo Buccaneers of the Vancouver Island Junior Hockey League. He's now an assistant coach for the Humboldt Broncos of the SJHL. So really excited uh, to share that interview with you folks. And then we're going to end off the show with some questions from Twitter brought to you by Spreza Box. Folks, promo code STICKINRINK gets you 15% off your monthly subscription. Dylan? Have you uh have you promoted up yet? Oh, absolutely. How you like in your box? Oh, I... those cufflings. And my that my watch. life my life has changed. Dude, I got a bottle of whiskey in mine. I don't know how they got that over the border, but <laughs> right, it was one let's, of those one of those little mini bottles. Oh, okay, okay. It looked like um you know kind of how you can get those boxes for like was uh, it wrapped like in you, brown paper? Like your groomsman, and you get like a little right, cup. And a little, right. I think it was just like you know they they. Spreza Box probably opened one of those. I'm like, oh, we taking this little thing, put it in here. Hey, that's that's a smart move so by folks, them. folks, again, Spreza Box. Getting us drunk, making us come back. Stick and Rink Pod. Oh, no, just Stick and Rink, rather. 15% off your monthly subscription. Let's get into the quick hits. Okay, there to bring us the lowdown, fresh off a of Big Apple hoedown, where there was a corned beef on rye throwdown. It's showdown. There's a few rule changes for the NHL uh, in the upcoming 2019-20 season. The most notable one is uh, expanded video review, and this is uh, set to enhance player safety among items unanimously approved by 
the NHL and Board of Governors. So I think at the end of the day, this is basically trying to get around um, the problems the, the, the you puck. Saw in the well, like things like the puck hitting the net and coming back into play, and, and someone ends up scoring. Right. There's things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't. I don't know if it's a good thing. I mean, I. It's definitely good to follow the r- rules, I guess, that you set. But at the end of the day, I don't want too much video review. I mean, it does slow down the game. It it does get cumbersome at some points, yeah, and it's like, not always right, as as we've seen in the in these playoffs. Well, it's because um, at times you just you're not allowed to go to video review when you'd think you should, and so there are some rule changes. Uh, revolving that again is the quick hits folks we're not going to read through this article but it's as per nhl.com so it runs down everything uh there's a there's a helmet rule which um it says that if your helmet strap comes off well it requires players to have their helmet strap on too so it's pretty much like they're they're encouraging players to go back to the bench as well when uh when your helmet comes off so i believe there's um some discourse around that as well uh, there's some rules around face-offs, um, the puck going out of bounds, and line changes for defensive teams. So, you know, quite a bit of content here. None of it I, I, do I really think is going to affect the game that much next season, but I am interested to see how these rules affect the playoffs next season. Yeah, absolutely. but one, one thing I just want to point out is, you know, with the increase of video review, and they're going to be able to review things like you know, a high stick that happened a, a minute ago, you know, in the offensive zone. Uh, they're they're going to be able to review so many plays. I, I just think it's going to make refs look worse and worse. I'm not necessarily trying to defend them, but I think that whole subconsciously people are going to be like looking at all these plays that are getting reviewed and thinking, how, how are the refs missing all these plays all the time? Yeah. They're they going to they're think they're more incompetent than they already think they are, you know, because they're already a heavily scrutinized group and just, you know, pointing out more mistakes that they make every single game true. subconsciously is going to get into people's heads. And the game is getting faster. And I feel like some people, it's so hard to keep track. They're, they're preaching this and they understand this yet. They don't understand that, you know, the refs have to up their tempo as well. You know, some of these guys are, they're a little bit older, and, and it's hard to catch everything. Dude, when you're out there skating and playing a game, I'm sure, you know, it's, when you're playing a competitive game like that, everything's almost a bu- uh, like a fuzz yeah. sometimes. When you're, when you're out there on the uh, in you're more a blur, reactive that's, that's, than anything. that's the word I was looking for. Blur. blur, thank you. A little fog. A little fog. Um, but yeah, it's more reactive because you're you're seasoned. You It's your job. You know what you're doing. Typically, you can only look at one or two guys at a time. It's tough to... You got two eyes. Look, you know, there's, there's 10 guys skating around out there. What I will say, though, is that these rule changes are more towards, you know, taking back goals that just never should have been scored. Now, I don't think they're going to... I think they have actually adjusted it, so we're not going to see a lot of, you know, oh, he was offside, you know, a few minutes after the player, you know, going back and reviewing that. So I think they're tightening up on a few things. Again, I think they're just trying to right the wrongs that occurred uh, this Stanley Cup playoffs. But I think this year's playoffs were just kind of an anomaly because I was talking to a buddy at work today as well. He's a, you know, he plays beer league and... Um, he actually builds guitars in my shop. He's an absolute beauty and the former drummer for the local band Carmona. Shout out Steve. He, I mean, he was telling me as well that, you know, the playoffs, they just weren't captivating. And it was kind of because of the officiating last season, though I was a Washington Capitals fan, it was great to follow them. It, it, I just never even thought of the officiating 
at all. It was not even something on my radar. I was watching the teams play hard and compete. And sure, they let a little th- uh, they let a little bit go as they do every year in the playoffs. But it was nothing that really, like like I said, was on my radar. This year, I would go into watching almost every single playoff game after the first round, thinking what am I going to see? Like I wasn't even, and it, and it sucks because it was taking away from watching the players and their talent. I was almost just like waiting and, you know, like tweeting about like, oh, this call here or like the rest missed this or this is controversial because it felt like every fucking game there was something controversial. No, I feel like that was the main takeaway, the main weird, story of the weird. 2019 playoffs. What was the officiating and the and the poor calls that were made or the missed calls or well, whatever you want to complain about, it was there. You had it all. Look, like I said, and we will move on here, taking nothing away from the St. Louis Blues, but if the refs wanted to call more in that game seven, they Bo- Boston would have won. Yeah. They would have beat them on the power play. So that game was almost in the hands of the ref, but based on, you know, Stanley Cup playoff game, the St. Louis Blues won, and you have to give uh, full yeah, credit gonna, to them. You're going to get a message from Tom here pretty quick, yeah, but He's going to kill me here. All right, <clears> let's <throat> get into some of the Hall of Fame. Shout out to the Blues Note podcast. Blues Note Podcast, by the way, hosted on the Hockey Podcast Network. Y'all listening have seen the tweet, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but we want to keep firing through the quick hits. Um, This year's Hockey Hall of Fame list has been um, posted and shared, and in my opinion, it's the, it's the Haley Wickenheiser and Jim Rutherford crew. Yeah, I've, I'll, I'll be honest, not, not taking away anything from these people, but I've seen some more star-studded uh, Hall of Fame groups. Well, I I'm really confused have. that people who are you know still waiting, you know Daniel Alfredson, you know yeah. Theron Fleury, for example. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. I mean, like I said, Sergey Zubov, Guy great Carbino, player. They've been on the, they've been on the waiting list for years. Yeah, they, they could wait a couple more for another week class. How about how about Jim Rutherford going on there? I, I do like that though because no, as I a like builder, it. he he's been outstanding. You know, Carolina Hurricanes, Pittsburgh Penguins, and I'm sure his skills and um and and successive dates back further. You know, I'm 26 years old. I, that I remember Jimmy Rutherford. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the Carolina Hurricanes, but he won with the Carolina Hurricanes, the Stanley Cup, and then went to the finals. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And look at him with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's still making deals. Man, I was watching Jimmy Rutherford, actually. He was one of those who I really wanted to just, you know, see with my own eyes of the draft floor. And he was on the day two closer. This was in the sixth round. And he's still on the phone calling people on the floor. Just this is the sixth round. This is when we were watching. Like, you know, Jim Benning wasn't even at the desk. Probably. Hey, he was <laughs> sleeping. Yeah. Well, I'm kidding. He was. But there were other GMs who were, yeah. you know, walking around. Coaches, uh, you know, getting coffee in the Concord, probably a few of beer here and there. One last thought on all this, just looking at the list of inductees. Well, let's read them all. Oh, okay. We're going to read them all. Sure. Um, we're going to start off with Guy Carboneau. You folks know him. Uh, then we're going to move on to Vaclav Nedomansky. You know, perhaps a name of the game. I was, I was just thinking about that. Could be a name of the game candidate. Um, Jimmy Rutherford, like we said, Haley Wickenheiser, hands down the best woman hockey player in history right now she's the best the bar is Haley yeah, Wickenheiser she's the the Wayne Gretzky of women's hockey well, she's like the pioneer of women's hockey she, she's the Haley Wickenheiser of, of like women's globally hockey. it doesn't matter yeah. like she she's she the is pioneer the pioneer for women's hockey yeah, yeah she's the face and of, so congratulations. of women's hockey and w- Dylan did you know that she didn't even answer the call because she was writing an exam as she per, uh, pursues a, uh, a medical degree so wow. she was in an exam during that call. It's like you couldn't even tell the instructor, you know, listen, the Hockey Hall of Fame is calling me. I'm taking five minutes. 
good for her, but it just it's not gonna make sense. Like like Haley Wickenheiser a being a medical doctor Wickenheiser. being a medical doctor. What? Well she pay she's gonna work yeah, in the NHL. Make, yeah. She's gonna work in the NHL. That's well she's true. already working for the Maple Leafs right now. Hey, and, yeah, that's and, true. Uh, I think player scouting. Um, or player development so. or something, something like that. She can't comment to the media, which is kind mm-hmm. of interesting. But let's move move on. Uh, then we have Jerry York, who is getting inducted as a builder, and then Sergei Zubov. See, like, Sergei Zubov, one of the better, like, you know, d- defensemen. Yep, played for the Dallas Stars the, for quite yeah, a few one, years. Yeah, one of the better Russian defensemen. Um, sure. I, I, perhaps, like, perhaps he earns a spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but like I said... But like ahead think, of those guys that you listed, it's I don't know. It's and, tough to say. And there's a longer list. Those are just two of the players that I really think deserve a spot. Um, oh five oh six, Sergey Zubov. He whipped out his uh, enormous. Addiction. And he had seventy nine points or seventy one points. Sorry. Yeah, I heard of Ryan Whitney on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. He was going off about this because he was not happy. You know, other than Haley Wickenheiser, they were like, ah, oh, it's kind of a weaker class. But he did not like this as well because he's like. Guy Carboneau, he's like, I know, one of the better shutdown forwards in the league, but that guy, career high, I think it was 46 or 56 points. He's like, that was my career. I got that, and that was a puck-moving defenseman. He's like, and I ain't even close to the Hall of Fame, so he was getting all fired. I just thought that was pretty funny. Obviously, Guy Carboneau. Well-respected forward. Exactly. So earns his spot here, but... The term Man, there's that some we, talented guys on the bench still. Yeah, and you think next year is going to be a good class, like Jerome McGinley, first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Oh, absolutely, no doubt. And about there's it. there's plenty more of them um, as well, folks. But uh, you can check out the list and uh, uh, the article that we will share on that. Last quick hit, and this one will be quick because I'm going to play a clip shortly after. But Kevin Dayoff, uh general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, declares to everybody that he will match any offer sheet that Patrick Laine signs. Um, this is unlike the Mitch Marner situation and what Kyle Dubas has said coming out of Toronto where um, you know he said there's, there's a certain price where, where we may not match in regards to Mitch Marner, but this is what Kevin Sheveldayoff had to say. All you can do is go about, uh, you know, doing your business and and uh, and keep building your team. But, um, you know, again, when when it's a uh, part of the CBA, you always have to be aware of it. You, you look at all the situations and, and determine it. But, um, you know, certainly it'd be our intention to to match. And, you know, you've got the summer to figure anything out. The market is the market, and uh, you know there's there's certain you know situations that are basically out of your control when it comes uh, you know to the market. So um, you know you'll you'll keep in contact with everybody and, and uh, both your own and, and uh, obviously the outside uh, uh, you know uh, people during the talking period and, and uh, you know see where it goes. And again, this is courtesy of TSN, so I will uh, post the article on our quick hits. All right. Time to get into some NHL talk. Oh, okay, here, here we go, folks. But first, but first, oh, we, we got to quickly. Um, oh, we, I know what's coming. You know, say a few words about our friends at Auto Smile. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't memorized this already, then listen up. Auto Smile has been a staple in Nanaimo since the early 80s. They started as a small detail shop and have grown into so much more. They truly are a one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. They do everything from window tinting, full vinyl wraps, expel paint protection, film spray, inbox liners, and have a full detailing service. So come down and see them for all tours, needs, or inquiries. They're located at 3851 Shented Road, Nanaimo, right behind Steve Marshall Ford. Again, thanks to our friends 
at AutoSmile. Let's get into some NHL talk. That's not... What is this stuff on here? We're talking about saving the world and all that stuff. Let's talk hockey. But first, a quick note. Uh, the salary cap after the draft, after the fucking draft, which is Bush League, in my opinion, for, uh, you know, honestly, for a top sports team, you go into your fucking draft without the like, salary cap. Yeah, set? that's that. that is a great point, because then teams don't teams are hesitant to make trades that, that involve big contracts. Look at Vegas. Yeah. Obviously, they were way over, but still, you know, that extra million dollars helps. So um, it is now set at $81.5 million, which is projected to be around 83. And I believe it was 82 last season because it dropped a, a tiny little bit. Um, anyway, just a quick note on that. It, it has finally been set $81.5 million. Let's move on to those who are spending hopefully to the cap to win that Stanley Cup. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, they have a ton of cap space and they are bringing out the checkbook. So the Philadelphia Flyers, they've uh, they've bolstered their goaltending. Uh, I, I think Brian Elliott, who they just signed to a one-year $2 million deal, will split the job with uh, Carter Hart. I mean, that, that's kind of what I envision. I think they hope that Carter Hart takes over the spot. But hey, I mean, it's it's a one year deal, cheap deal. Nothing can go wrong here, essentially. Yeah, he's, he's thirty four years old. Um, I mean that that time he spent with the Calgary Flames. You know, he signed with them that one year deal, or maybe it was a two year deal, and he got traded. I don't even remember. And that was that was just a couple years ago. But this goes to show that Brian Elliott he's fallen off from his days as uh, splitting time as the top goalie. For the St. Louis Blues, he spent the last two seasons with the Philadelphia Flyers. Last year, only getting 26 games, he had a 97 save percentage. Um, yeah, 2.96 goals against average. He's your backup, like you said. He's help, never been a starting goaltender. No, to help Carter Hart, sure, but he could just fall off uh, this <laughs> yeah. season as well. I mean, he did play two. He has in the AHL. I don't know if it was a conditioning stint or not, but um. Yeah, uh, Philadelphia. Like I said, they're spending. They got. They brought their checkbook. And he has had seasons where he has absolutely fallen off. But the Philadelphia Flyers, Calgary, recently. Yeah, yeah they they signed another. Well, another player, Travis. I had no transition there, folks. <laughs> Travis Sanheim. The the trip to trail is really coming into full effect. Two year deal at six point five million dollars, three point two five per season. Yeah, and this is a bridge. This is a bridge deal if I've ever seen one. Travis Sanheim, I mean, he's a hell of a prospect for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, and with all these young defenders, hell, young players now in the NHL, you know, signing either long-term or around that five-year stretch so they can cash in later, um, we don't really see the the old-school bridge anymore. But this is, a, this is a case of one in Travis Sanheim. Uh, former Vancouver Canucks goaltender Ryan Miller signs a one-year, $1.25 million deal with the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, just staying one more year in the game, he's, uh, I believe he's the top American goaltender who's played in the NHL um, statistically. and uh, Just yeah. hang around California, make a million well, bucks. His, his like, wife, I believe, is a, an actress, so he's, yeah, he's yeah. lived in that area um, b before... That's where they're kind of based, obviously. Um, and yeah, he's he's loving it there. He he hasn't been playing poorly. He's you know he knows he's a backup goalie now. And when you're living in uh, Anaheim with the family, with your gorgeous 
uh, movie star or actress wife. Hell, life couldn't get any better. If you can still play hockey, you might as well strap on the pads for another year. And Anaheim, they're in a rebuilding stage, so they got nothing to lose uh, re-upping Ryan Miller. And he was a pretty good Vancouver goaltender. I well, will give him that. Uh, underrated. He took way too much scrutiny. Uh, Jim Benning is the one who probably should should have taken some of that scrutiny at the time versus... Ryan Miller, I remember the player, you know, the fans were really angry with him because he wasn't a superstar at the end of his career. I thought his deal was 100% palatable, though, and he helped Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, no, his deal was fine, in my opinion, but more Canucks news. Drumroll, please. Alexander Edler. There's the transition, my friend. Has signed a two-year, $12 million contract. That's a $6 million cap. Um... Wow. Last episode, folks, you heard me. I was freaking out. There were rumors that Alex Edler was going to re-sign for up to three years, up to four, and I was losing nah. my shit. I was losing my shit. Um, this helps the Canucks tremendously. Like, at a, at a per-year salary cap, very good deal at $6 million. He deserves it based on his play the last few years. Two years means, um, you know, he'll be able... Uh, well, it, it won't be a worry come expansion draft, and that's what I like as well. And I don't know if there's a, a limited no move or a no trade, but I have to imagine, um, you know, since the Canucks fans are not up in arms, and obviously I haven't heard anyone talk about this, that there isn't any specific, uh, like, no move. Well, no. The, or limited, rather. Yeah, well, there's a limited no move clause, but it's it's a no move clause but they don't have to protect him okay. in in the so expansion no, so draft. So no trade clause, they would have to protect him. Exactly. Okay. But so you cleared some things up well, for me. Well, yeah, no. In the expansion draft, they don't have to exactly. protect him. That's that's the whole clause. Well, there you go. He's not leaving Vancouver anyways. So. And it's a two-year deal. And, and so it's at the end of the day, that they were able to work that out. No, because that's what I was. That's what I was freaking out about. I was like, Alex Edler, a is we're, we're gonna ha- we're forced to protect him, and. Hell, folks, five, six years ago, you want to protect Alex Edler. These days, no. And at $6 million, this team is not up against the cap. I mean, well, with this whole new Luongo thing, it's kind of changed things a little bit. Poor Ben Hutton doesn't get a contract because of it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, you know, we need Alex Edler on the back end. We have nothing. He's our top defenseman. I know we have Quinn Hughes coming up, but at the end of the day, we need some veteran guys back there. Because we know Tanev's not going to play a full season. Hell, we know Alex Edler's He might not, not even be there. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Well, we know Alex Edler's not playing a full season. I mean, he, he suffered uh, injuries last year, especially towards the end of the season. But he put up, like I said, he put up the numbers last year to deserve this contract. It was potentially a career season for him. He put up 10 goals, 56 games. His career season was uh, in 2011-2012, 11 goals in 82. Wow. So, hey, a healthy Alex Edler is pretty damn good. Healthy Alex Edler still breaks sticks on the slapper. Oh, you know what? The count was down, and I don't know if he changed sticks or what happened, but he didn't break that many last season. I know. I know he played less games, but. It's funny that, like, this is so such news in (laughs) Vancouver, folks. It's so prevalent in Vancouver that, um,. Not I guess only, folks no, are wondering what the fuck we're talking well, not about. Not only do I see it on Twitter amongst just Canucks fans, but I hear it on like TSN radio and sometimes on like the TV networks as well. You know, take a couple jabs at Alex Edler uh, breaking so many sticks. But yeah, this year it was definitely down. I don't even think he, he might have broken one, but. No, and you know what? Isha is right about that. I remember one time, and I this was this is probably, I, I don't know, maybe f- three years ago now. 
but I was in my car listening to TSN radio and then a, they took a caller and it was Isha from Callwood oh and you went God. off about Alex Hedler and how he breaks a thousand sticks. Yeah. Cause people were pissed off. I, I was calling from my work. My boss said he, you know, that was well before the podcast days. Yeah. The boss uh, turned in for the night and I was working at his shop and I was just like, Oh fuck it. Like I'm going to call it. You know, this was back when Barry was on uh, Donnie and the Mo just right. About. Be Mac Donnie in the boat. People were ripping on the scenes. This was the year before they retired, and they're ripping on the scenes, and I just was getting pissed. So I called in and I was like, "Listen, this isn't about the scenes. <laughs> this <laughs> this is... is about fuck Sendler, who's you know, just I I, I could maybe find that clip. I'll you may not hear it in the next few seconds. You may you may hear it, but." I, Anyways, Barry McDonald's saying, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes Alex Hedler gets the puck and you just see the gears turn or they, they slow down a little bit there. I think Moj went pretty hard, too. Everyone did. Yeah, they, they, they talked about Alex Hedler for about, well, no, it was longer than that. Well, they let me talk for a little while, too. Right. Sometimes, you know, Don Taylor just cut you off and be like, yeah, you had a good run, bud. Yeah, right. But no, that they went off for a good 10 minutes after that. Uh, I can't believe you heard that live as well. I was, was just like, was I was pissed off. I was like, these fans, and we'll get into the fans later, just ripping oh. on the Sedins. No. I remember Alex Edler that season wasn't playing particularly well, and then I went off about his sticks, and they were, yeah, they agreed. They wholeheartedly agreed. It's it's, it's like an ice graveyard out there. There's just broken sticks, dead sticks everywhere. Oh, Aquilini's getting pissed off. He's like, Alex Edler. He might have to buy the stick company just to cut down the costs. Why do you hate Alex Edler? I don't. I just don't think he's very good. Actually, anyways, um, let's move on to the Vegas Golden Knights. Two years in the league and they're already having to dump cap, Dylan. It's comical, but wow, the, their success is unbelievable. And part of that is William Carlson. He signs eight years, $47.2 million deal, a $5.9 million cap hit. Um, I think this is a tremendous deal. He, he One of their quote-unquote core players because he came in in the expansion draft he had an unbelievable first season Dylan and um I think he's gonna be you know part of this franchise for a very long time as as per his contract and eight years yeah at a, at 5.9 that's that's very doable looking at a guy who you know you can expect 25 goals on an annual basis, I think, from, from William Carlson and, you know, 50 to 60 points. And he's shown he's capable of, of doing more than that, but I don't know if we can expect him to put up 43 goals again. No, he had, like, a shot percentage of, like, 24, 25% that year, and it dropped to 14 this year, and, you know, he puts up 24 goals, more realistic. But he's a defensive forward first, right? You know, playing for the Columbus Blue Jackets, he was placed in that fourth line role. And I love, uh, I just read a, an article about him and how he was saying like, I'm committed to Vegas. That's why I signed long-term. And that's why I said like, I think, you know, he wants to stay here. Obviously trades can happen at the end of the end of the day, but I, unless, you know, this Vegas situation blows the fuck up in a few years, he's going to be that guy who, you know, honestly wants to stay true to Vegas and, uh, you know, be one of the first players to dominate in this franchise. And, you know, Vegas is just becoming such, such a great, like people just really want to sign there. People, you know, Eric Halla, uh, Mark Stone, you know, it's really attracting lots of different players, and it's it's really going to help out the franchise moving forward. Just being such a such an attractive market. Yeah, well, apparently the residential areas are, are beautiful. Yeah, and everyone, and it's you know relatively cheap to live there. You're you know close close to California, relatively close to Arizona. Like, are you gonna want to sign there or Columbus, Ohio? Let's be real. Yeah. If you if you're just Very looking at point. the cities. Very good point. So at five point nine. 
Um, I think it's a great deal. I know he signed a one-year deal last year coming off the 40-goal season because, and fair enough, the Vegas... Was, it, was that an arbitration deal? Yeah, it was, yeah. Right. because the, Or maybe it wasn't. I, I don't remember, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, I'd imagine it probably went yeah, because it was, it was a one-year deal. I think so. Okay, but... Um, I yeah. Anyway, we'll have to look that up, folks. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is what, going what, great. What, it doesn't really matter. What, what I'm trying to say is, like, he knew realistically that... He didn't want to sign a long-term deal because he didn't really know what he could do yet, and it's and and the franchise didn't know what he could do yet. Obviously, he's not going to maintain that shot percentage and the goal pace. They wanted to give him a respectable deal, though, based on his two-way play, and I think they saw, you know, what he could do um, in regards to being consistent at that role and still put up the goals, like you said, in 20 goals. And if, he, and if he's a consistent 20 goal, goal scorer and, and continues to play in that, you know, Patrice Bergeron type role, fuck man, he's going to be one of the best players for the Vegas Golden Knights throughout his contract. He's only 26 years old. All right. Should we move on to this? Here we what, go. What, what Cracking do you, my knuckles. What do you call a group of trades? Is it a flock, a murder, a, a gaggle? Um, I like a murder. Uh, kind of like a gaggle. A gaggle? A gaggle of trades. A gaggle of trades. All right. Like a gaggle of silverback apes. <laughs> Who's your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> okay. A gaggle of silverback apes. Beautiful. A gaggle of National Hockey League trades. Hit it off, Dylan. Eric Holla. We were just uh, talking about the Vegas Golden gaggling. Knights. We were just gaggling about them. Eric Holla was traded to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, on Wednesday, four Nicholas Roy and a conditional fifth round pick in the 2021 NHL draft. So conditions on the fifth round pick actually uh, were miscommunicated in um, well, when this trade was being discussed. And thus it was delayed uh, a few hours. Um, I heard Pierre Lebrun talking on TSN radio today saying that, you know, he had to actually stay up a few hours late to get, you know, his, his piece up for the morning because uh, officially the trade hadn't gone down and no one really knew the conditions of the trade. Hell, I don't even know the conditions it's of the trade. It's a rough life yet. that guy has. But um, Nicholas Roy is a 22-year-old uh, prospect. He's played in the AHL the last two seasons where he's put up um, just north of 30 points. He's a center-slash-right winger uh, developed in the QMJHL. He got a two-game taste with the Charlotte Checkers um, his draft year and then went back to his QMJHL team where he wore the C and actually got 80 points in 53 games. Of the last two seasons with the Charlotte Checkers, 38 points in his rookie season, 11 goals in 70 games, uh, three points in the playoffs. But this year was a fucking coming out party for him, Dylan, because though he uh, you know, only put up 36 points, he put up 17 goals in 69 games and 15 points in 19 playoff games to win the Calder Cup with the Charlotte Checkers. I mean, it's just typical Vegas. Yeah, they have to dump some cap, but at least they get something decent, something that might pan out a young to be a depth piece. Who's going to be cheap coming into the National Hockey League if he comes to the National Hockey League the next couple of years. Another great move. But, you know, looking at the Carolina Hurricanes, though, they, they get another pretty decent yeah. player. Uh, Eric Holla... He's only one year removed from a 29-goal season. 
Um, so this guy's proven that he can put pucks in the back of the net. Yeah, I know everybody was having a 30-goal season on the Vegas Golden Knights that year. But uh, I still think he's a pretty talented guy. Seven points in 15 games last year. Uh, I'm not too sure what happened. I don't know if injury it was injury-riddled year. Yeah, so I, I think he can be an effective piece. No, absolutely, and this helps the Carolina Hurricanes so much. It's further depth at center because, let's be honest, Justin Williams, he may not come back. No, that's true. He didn't ret- no, he didn't retire yet, but he was talking about potentially retiring. Oh, so- Justin Williams is never going to leave. He's going to play till he can. Man, he had a hell of a season last year as well. Man, this hell Carol- of a career. This Carolina Hurricanes is is looking more and more dangerous every year and Eric Hall, I believe his contract's only like what 2.6, 2.8 million dollars. Uh, it's under 3, I think. Here, look this up quick. I- I'm looking it up. We're doing some uh what is it? Googling I was going to say Googling on the air, but Googling while podcasting. I can't imagine it's more than $3 million for some reason. Some on-air research, folks. Here we go. Well, sometimes we don't want to I feel like it might be for something. It could be way off, but how much is it here? Oh, no. No, you're right. 2.75. So what a contract. Schwang bang. Well, now, uh, yeah. Oh, and they they paid out until next year as well. So they're going to have to re-sign him for the 2020-2021 season. But next year for the Carolina Hurricanes, who have a ton of cap space, Dylan, they could go hard on a free agent now. Are you going to attract a free agent to come to Carolina? I don't know, but they definitely have the space for Sebastian Ajo. They're going to, you know, Don Waddell's come out and said, we're going to match, you know, much like um, <laughs> Kevin Sheffield Kevin Dayoff. Step the Chicago Blackhawks acquired defenseman Calvin DeHaan and forward uh, Aleski Sarella. Names of the game. Uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes for goaltender Anton Forsberg and defenseman Gustav Forsling. Now, Vancouver Canucks fans, you know Gustav Forsling oh, very well. Former Canuck, and you're probably losing it because we gave up such a such an important pivotal pillar piece of, of any franchise, Gustav Forsling. So yeah, he's moved like what three times now. Yeah, he's great, great NHLer. But the the Blackhawks getting Calvin DeHaan still a very serviceable defenseman. I feel like they're you know quietly trying to make a push here. They you know they got Kane and Taves to these monster contracts, and I feel like they know they can't just. You almost can't go into a rebuild with these contracts on board. And how do you get rid of them? You can't. So what do you do? You have to compete somehow. Yeah. So, you know, if they're doing it via the trades, it's going to be tough to do it via drafting because, you know, they're not going to have the highest picks. Although last two years, you know, we've showed it that, you know, they, they got the third overall this year. Um, but you know, you know, I I like moves like this, getting Calvin DeHaan, potential top four defenseman. It's going to help them out. Depth. Good, yeah, good depth. absolutely. But man, like the likes of, you know, Dylan Strom, they've acquired other pieces as well who are younger, who, let's be honest, don't have a huge ticket. And that's that's how this team's going to be successful because it's not it's not the Kane and Taves contracts that are holding them back. It's, it's fucking Seabrook and Duncan Keith who aren't playing to that level anymore. At least Taves and Kane, you're getting your money's worth. No, that that is a good point, but you still can't necessarily go into a rebuild with I these guys that. in their prime. I know that. I'm just like those. I'm not those two are the, aren't the ones hamstringing the team right now. It's definitely those two on the back end. No, and you know, in a couple of years, looking at those contracts, Ooh. they're not going to look as bad as they as they once did. That's true, but dude, Seabrook still has another four years, I believe. Oh yeah, I was, I was talking five. about the to, oh, the oh, team yeah, yeah. caves. But. Oh, absolutely, it's going to be worth it, a hundred percent. Uh, but yeah, the the Brent Seabrook is that it's one's horrible. always gonna it's look bad. so bad, dude. So bad. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Jersey Joe, you're gonna you're gonna love this. Uh, the New oh, Jersey Devils acquire P 
P.K. Subban from the National... From the Nashville Predators, Ford defenseman Steven Santini and Jeremy what Davis. What was the pause for there? A second round pick in the 2019 draft and a second round pick in the 2020 draft. I was just thinking about our friend Jersey Joe. Um, we actually heard this go down moments before we actually entered Rogers Arena um, to, to witness the draft. And Big shout out to Quinlan King for uh, breaking it for breaking us. It. The funny thing, it wasn't even announced on the floor until the end of the second round. So the picks, you know, the, the 2019 pick had already, uh, well, the the, Nat, or the New Jersey Devils had already, or sorry, the National Predators had already made their selection. It was pathetic. Folks. We were killing ourselves. It laughing. was ridiculous. Like, you know, there, there'd been a few trades that went on in between. Well, it was after the Vancouver Canucks trade. Yeah, it was, for a, JT Miller. It was yeah. after we'll get the, into that in a sec. After the big JT Miller trade. So, yeah, it was it was all. And, you know, when they announced it, there's there's no cheer or anything from the crowd because everybody already, already knew. knew. Like, everyone has their phone out. Everybody knows. Like I said, the, the 2019 second rounder was already selected by Nashville. That's true. Um, this is a great move for the New Jersey Devils. People, you know, say, oh, you're concerned with, well, the concern with P.K. Subban is his contract at $9 million. Folks, it's for three more years. The New Jersey Devils need to entice Taylor Hall to stay. They're building young. They have the cap space. And Ray Shiro's not done. You know, they made the playoffs two years ago. He's pissed they didn't make the playoffs this year. Getting P.K. Subban, I think, is great for this franchise, which out of the three New York ones is probably... The franchise that gets the less or the lesser of the media attention. So I think this is just going to bolster that. The Nashville Predators, I mean, they get two players that I don't really know much about. I think one is a decent uh, prospect playing in the AHL right now. One is a, a, a decent college player. And then obviously two second rounders, which, hey, if you're David Poyle drafting, those are valuable picks. It's weird. I just thought maybe there would have been a little bit more for P.K. Subban. Yeah, it seems like they almost went for quantity over quality here. You know, there's and if you're four. David Poyle, that's what you do best. Sure. You know, there's four pieces for one, you know, and in that regard, it's all right. And the second round pick that they got, I believe that was 34th overall. It was, it was a fairly, high there, it was a yeah. high up there. That picks. is true. So, you know, there is some value in that. You can, you can get some guys that were touted for late first round in the early second round. So you might be able to steal a good guy there. Uh, but at the end of the day, I agree. I, I thought a bigger piece, a first-round pick, something would have gone for P.K. What Subban. What a move. So that weekend, the New Jersey Devils acquired Jack Hughes and P.K. Subban and apparently are not done. If this team can stay healthy, fuck, New Jersey's going to be a hell of a team in the New York State, ladies and gentlemen. And, you know, if they did want to pull off a trade with their first-round pick, I think that's a team that would be willing to do it. And you know what? If you get guys like P.K. Subban, Taylor Hall, Hughes, all these guys, Nico, Nico Heischer, Heischer, you know, maybe you do land a big free agent. It's happened before. Ilya Kovalchuk signed, signed for over $100 million there. <laughs> hey, that is true. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, man, the Carolina Hurricanes, they've just... They've been, been, they've been busy. Talk they, about Schwang. Dang. And this is a hell of a trade. Uh, they acquire Patrick Marlowe along with a conditional first-round pick and a seventh-round pick in the 2020 NHL draft from the Toronto Maple Leafs for a sixth-round pick in the 2020 draft. Essentially, the Toronto Maple Leafs had to pay a first-round pick to get rid of Patrick Marlowe's contract. Marlowe wants to go back to San Jose. His family's moved back to San Jose. I mean... 
Doug Wilson, he told Patrick Marlowe when he wanted to be re-signed that I cannot sign you for that third year. It's funny that Toronto gave him that third year, yet couldn't keep him for that third year. And Dylan, you had some thoughts about you know the Carolina Hurricanes potentially just trying to keep him aboard. Yeah, well, if... I, I know that you know everyone's looking at this deal like Patrick Marlowe is just going to get dumped off, and but bought, well bought out or bought out, and I I think it would be smart for the Carolina Hurricanes to hold on to this guy. I know the cap hit is a little bit high, but it's a Patrick Marlowe that's still going to put up forty points, maybe even twenty goals for a team that's trying to trying to you know make an impact in the playoffs. And you know there's only so many ways to get players that can put up twenty goals. Um, I, I think you keep Patrick Marlowe and you keep that first round pick. Well, if he still wants to play hockey and he's motivated, fuck it, you might as well because he wants to go back to San Jose. How the hell is San Jose going to afford Patrick Marlowe? He's going to have to make like $1.5 million. I cannot see Patrick Marlowe making that much money or making that little money rather. No, I, I can't see that either. And I don't think it would be smart necessarily for the San Jose Sharks to do that. The last six seasons, he's played 82 games, Dylan. That is, that's crazy. He played the full lockout season at 48, and then 82 games the three years prior. He put up 37 points last year. This guy's a monster. He's a fucking freak of nature, Patrick Marlowe. First ballot Hall of Famer based off of that when he retires. Holy shit. Oh, oh, absolutely. Wow. This like, guy's I always up... knew he was an all-star. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. Just, I, I'm, I'm, my mind is blown. No, 16, over 1,600 games. Holy fuck. Fuck. And, uh, you know, last year, yeah, 37 points on a pretty good Toronto Maple Leafs team. He wasn't playing first-line minutes. Oh, he was buried. Yeah, he's buried. So, I don't know. I think on a Carolina Hurricanes team, he can put up 20 goals, 45 points. Power that, play, Sebastian. Is that oh, how worth, are you? Is that not worth his contract? 100%. I, I think it is. And you get the draft pick on top of hey, it. Hey, let's throw out a poll question. Should Patrick Marlowe resign hey, with the Carolina Hurricanes? How are you? There we go. Dylan, that was a fucking awesome take. Uh, let's move on to a fucking awesome story. Uh, the Dallas Stars acquire Ryan Hartman from the Philadelphia Flyers for Tyler Pitlick. Or from the Philadelphia Flyers, sorry, for Tyler Pitlick, who actually put up a, a pretty decent season with the Dallas Stars. Ryan Hartman, you know, he'd be bouncing around, which, by the way, Canucks fans, Ryan Hartman's a former first-rounder. Oh, weird. A former first-rounder being bounced around. But anyways, we'll get into that later. Dylan, oh, oh, you had a hell of a story. Again, Quinlan King, Quinlan our King. buddy. Fucking A. This guy's just been... Breaking all the stories. All-Star Scout. All-Star Scout. Don't have his Twitter handle on me, but he follow him on Twitter. This one. Yeah, he hit me up. So Ryan Hartman tweeted out that he was going out for uh, I don't know some sort of outdoor adventure. I think he's going to a ca- like an outdoor like a camping hike and then, trip and then going to his ca- a cabin of his or a cabin, okay. you know, somewhere with, that with he no cell service. So off he, the grid, off the grid, he was just going to leave his phone at home or or something like that. So he sent out a tweet, essentially saying, you know what, everyone, I'm I'm going away. You won't be able to reach me for three or four days. The next day, Ryan Hartman gets traded, and no one can get a hold of him. The entire world knows that Ryan Hartman's been traded. Twitter's going nuts. Twitter's going nuts, and he's at his cabin, and he has no idea. Well, his mom started tweeting and and sending messages out on social media, being like, Ryan, I need to talk to you. Answer your <laughs> phone. So like his his mom's sending out the bat signal now. So I, I'm curious to see the tweet or, you know, the 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 post or the media release that comes out for Ryan Hartman because it's going to be hilarious. There's going to be some humor to it. Do you think he was even able to turn on his phone or do you think it just broke from the amount of notifications that came in at once? Well, I think it was it was probably off. He probably just turned it off. 
Well, that's oh, what when, it, he, that, when he turned it on. I don't think he's back yet, is he? I haven't heard I don't any know. confirmation. I think I he's still heard, just chilling. Yeah, I think he might still be in the cabin. But By the way, folks, at Quinlan Someone must King, have driven out there. At Quinlan King on Twitter. Very simple. There you oh. go. What? She lucked I out should with have that. Known. Oh, that's I guess a, there's not a lot of Quinlan Kings out there. But when true. you're the king of the scout world. And king of Quinlan's. No one can take that handle from you. He's just rolling his eyes right now like, holy fuck, boys. Right. Anyways, um, the Vancouver Canucks. We, oh, drum roll, please. We get you're going to want to hear this. Should we get into it? Let's do it. The Vancouver no, let's Canucks, just pass this one. We're going we're to pass. <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks acquired JT Miller from the Tampa Bay Lightning for Merrick Mazanik, the number 71st pick in the 2019 NHL draft, conditional first-round pick in the 2020 draft. Vancouver Canucks fans lost their minds when this thing broke. But I just want to say, in arena... No one was losing their mind. Sure, there was no. some chatter, and you know, the folks behind us, they they were like, oh, "I don't know about this." You know, this is they weren't too, too happy, but but you like, know. no one was outraged. Man, you go on Twitter, and like I said, it's a fucking civil war right now. It is a civil war, and it, it is kind of funny. You go on Twitter, and you pointed it out, and I saw a couple posts saying, you know, yeah, we were booing Benning, and there there is boos at no. Benning when the trade was announced. No, no such thing. We were there. We were we were in the upper level. We could hear most of what's going on in in that arena. It's relatively quiet. It was yeah it, yeah. It's a quiet atmosphere. I mean, it's it's a bunch of GMs quietly well, sitting at desks. And, and, and arena only played music after like thirty seconds or or a bit in increments after the draft pick or you know while the the timer was on. It wasn't the whole time. Yeah, and while the draft or, or sorry while the trade was announced, the music was off. You know, all you could hear was the fans and it was generally cheers and probably, you know, a certain percentage of, uh, I don't know, people Gasp. who gas people who honestly. didn't really know how to react almost. Well, because it was first announced on Twitter as well, which is a conditional uh, pick. It didn't say first round. So people were losing. I think that's why people were angry right, too. Right. Just because of the announcement. Yes, Canucks, that was Bush League. If you're going to trade a first round pick, you got to tell the fucking yeah, you media come out fans. Right away. That you know, so that just shows that you were a little tentative of sharing it. Dylan, your thoughts on this trade? I know we're going to get into more about just Canucks Twitter and just fans right now who are freaking out about this trade and just other pending moves and just the direction of this team. But overall, you, myself, and All-Star Scout, Quinlan King, we're we're okay with this. I'm okay with this trade. And we're you saying know, okay. We're not overly thrilled, but we're not upset. We're not crying fucking bloody murder. So at the end of the day, Jim Benning has to do something with he this Vancouver to. Canucks team. Um, there's only a certain amount of ways you can acquire a top six forward, a, a guy who can put up 20 goals. And I know some people hate hearing this, but... You know, JT Miller brings more than just the goals. He really does. There's the things you, you can't quantify that he, that he puts into the game. Um, so to acquire pieces like that, you got to give up value. You just have to. You can't. You know, I've been hearing numerous people on the radio, people on Twitter, saying, "You know, you could. Why didn't you get JT Miller for a, a second in Mazanic?" Or, or they're just throwing out these prices. Well, that's obviously not the price. That's Clearly. not the price for these players. We paid paid what the price actually is. I, I don't get what the problem is. And and the fact that Jim Benning set this draft pick, the condition up, so that we're more than likely only going to lose the pick in 2021. Which is fine, because hopefully we'll make the fucking playoffs by then. Exactly. If you're a Canucks fan and you're mad about this trade because of the draft pick, that means you... 
don't well, want to see us succeed. You don't want to see, see us succeed. You want us to be in the bottom five in 2021. Shame give, on you. Give your fucking head a shake. Shame on you. It's been it's been this five trade, fucking years. This trade has has just blown up into something that I just don't I just don't even want to look at. It's well, so it's ugly. It's crazy because you're either on one side where you're like, okay, I guess I agree with it, and then suddenly you're lumped into the, like you're pro TJ Miller, or you're just furious with G, with uh, Jim Benning. And I know everyone on that side is not like furious at JT Miller, but like right. holy fuck, guys, uh, again. Sure, I concede that it was maybe a little steep. Maybe they could have just given the, the the goaltender and the first round pick. But like you said, the market clearly dictated they needed a sweetener. And Jim Benning, he he had an outstanding draft this year, I think, with Nils Hoglander at the really second did. round. He really did. So what? They gave a third round pick away. They got quantity late. And sure, maybe none of those guys pan out. But hell, there's a low percentage that the third round pick pans out anyways. I know last year we got Tyler Madden in the third round. That's great. We got him last year. Rejoice. Like Dylan said, moves have to be made for this team to move forward. And do, do Canucks fans want the same fucking team to come back from last year? Hell, similar team from the year before. The defense is being shooken up. Right? We were seeing it before our eyes. Ben Hutton, he's not coming back. Uh, Edler's going to be there only for two more years. There's rumors that Tanev will be moved. Quinn Hughes is going to get a bigger role. The defense, you know, we're hearing fucking rumors about, um, you know, Tyler Myers coming in or maybe Jake Gardner. The defense is going to look different. Clearly, the forward group had to change too because we didn't get a lot of offense. And I know TJ Miller is a 20-goal scorer, but hell, he's going to help create room for some of these young guys. You know, Pedersen, he dried up at the end of the season because it's a grind in the National Hockey League. TJ Miller is a type of player. He's, a, he's you know, a poor man's Bo Horvat. He can well, help and he's create gonna, space. He's going to give us options too. I yes. mean, there's not going to be... You know, Pedersen has to play with Besser, and that's it. End of the day. You know, exactly. there's going to be options for us to move guys around because injuries are going to come up. And I just want to go back to that draft pick quickly. The 2021 pick that is is most likely going to be picked, let's say it's 15th overall, just to cut it right in the okay. middle. That player is most likely going to make his rookie appearance in, let's say, 2024. By 2026, 2027, that player, if if yeah. if he pans out, if if he pans if, out, capitalize the fucking if. Then he will make an impact in twenty twenty seven. You're complaining about a potential decent player in twenty twenty seven. It it's it's twenty nineteen right now. We got we got to turn this fucking thing Besser. around. We can't let it go a decade in the dumps. Absolutely, we have Hughes too. I know you you you'd want more of a core before you're like okay we're gonna start building around them and, and going f- not going for the Stanley Cup obviously T J Miller doesn't f- help your franchise do that no but it helps take a step forward and a step forward is not even necessarily a playoff spot but if it's competing for it sweet this team is too far long to be in a full blown rebuild like the New York Rangers were two years ago it's just too far along it's like it okay. This team too late had, for that. The Vancouver Canucks have had a no plan plan for way too long now that it's like, okay, you have at least something to build around. Let's at least do that because, like you said, if the fan base wants this team still not to be successful, to miss the playoffs the next two seasons, then give your head a shake. Because in my opinion, I don't want to go as far as saying it's a win-win, but if we make the playoffs next year, at least we make the playoffs next year. I know 
maybe like the New Jersey Devils saw, they took a step back after making the playoffs and being bounced in the first round. But Dylan, as a Vancouver Canucks fan, maybe not a hockey fan or someone critical of the NHL, but as a Vancouver Canucks fan, don't you want to see playoff hockey again? I mean, oh, you, everybody wants I, to I'm see it. I'm at the point where it's just like, like, God damn it, this isn't a Willie Desjardins mirage that's really going to put your team behind. If you make the playoffs, it arguably is going to help these young guys. And I think, you know, part of the problem, I think, you look at some of these teams like Toronto Maple Leafs, they lucked out getting in Austin Matthews. Uh, Edmonton Oilers lucked out getting Connor McDavid and all these other picks. Are are the Vancouver Canucks still waiting to get that first overall pick before it's not happen. before they can finally decide? Okay, let's let's move forward. I almost feel like that's the case. They're still waiting for that first or second overall hey, pick. Reality check, folks. It's it was Elias Pettersson. Yeah, that's now that we was have to pick. move. We have to move. Now I'm not saying put your fucking foot on the accelerator and go, but a move like T.J. Miller where. The incentive to protect the pick, and I know it wasn't anything crazy, but there's still incentive. It shows that at least they're trying. And maybe that's a sad statement, but at least they're doing something different. And, you know, we've kind of failed to mention another great piece we just added, Pod Colson. I mean, this is potentially the third, fourth best player in the draft. And we got him at 10th overall. So, you know, we, we got pieces moving forward. Yeah, there you go. I and mean, we've talked about this for a little while now, and we want to move on because it's going to be this is a longer episode, ladies and gentlemen. Um, ben Hutton, uh, last season, Hutton was the no move piece in a potential trade with Tyson Berry. And I heard that, uh, uh, I don't know if it was today or the other day on uh, sports radio. This year, it was said to be Adam Gaudet because we Canucks fans know and those who follow the NHL, um, the Vancouver Canucks were said to send the exact same deal. Um, Colorado's way to acquire Tyson Berry. Um, but Joe Sakic was pissed Friday night, as per Ben Kuzma of the of the province here in British Columbia, Canada. Um, he apparently threw his hands up in the air before storming off on the draft fo- floor Friday night. So there's when the deal died. Um, they wanted, I think, the that pick, that first round pick, and the Vancouver Canucks they they stood their ground and got. Vasily Podkolzin, which folks, you're not crying bloody murder that we're not going to see this pick in two years. I don't, I don't know why you're freaking out that we're not, you know, that we don't have a pick that like Dylan highlighted. We're in 2027 or whatever. Okay, let's move on to rumors since we've uh, got a little fired up talking about the Canucks. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes apparently are leaning towards buying out Scott Darling. Um, this is As they should. kind of a no-brainer. He did not perform to his contract at all, despite uh, you know helping the Chicago Blackhawks win a Stanley Cup a few years ago. Um, they also, like we mentioned, are trying to sign Patrick Marlowe, but he really wants to go back to California. Maybe, do you think he even signs with the Anaheim Ducks just to be around his family? Do you hey, think that's, that's a possibility? I mean, they have camp. Yeah, that's a possibility. You heard it here first in the Stick Ring Podcast. How are you? Uh, Mitch Marner. Now, we can spend a few minutes on this, Dylan. Mitch Marner is meeting with various teams, four-plus teams, um, and the Avalanche perhaps a realistic landing spot if they make an offer sheet to him, even if it's at, and I'm not even kidding here, $14 million cap space. Wow. Um, Their prospect cupboard is full. So they can really take advantage of those entry level contracts. You know, they got they can be top heavy, but if they got good prospects, it sounds ridiculous. And I'm 
I'm obviously a pigeon. I'm no general manager, and I don't know if I, I wouldn't do this, but they're, in my opinion, one of the only teams, and off the top of my head, I couldn't even think of another one, who could give up four consecutive first-round picks to sign this guy. And they could, and if anything, it would help their team now win. Yeah, that's so true. How and, crazy is that? And the timing is right, because if realistically looking forward, the next four first-round picks for the Colorado Avalanche are going to be 20-plus in the first round. There you go. You know, you're not going to have a, a, a lottery pick. There you go. Um, this this would be crazy. Now, I, I think at the most it would be $14 million. I do not expect anyone to, to send an offer sheet out for $14 million. But Kyle Dubas said that they're not going to match anything extravagant. So 12.513, I could see it. 14, I just don't think it goes that high. No, it's it's going to be so interesting to see what happens here. I, I, I don't even know which way I'm leaning anymore because I, it's, he's given me no inclination to say this guy is committed to being a Maple Leaf. Yeah. I, I don't believe that at all. This is a hell of a story. I mean, you know, we we're, we were following Willie Nylander last year. Uh, you know, Mitch Marner could just sign Sunday night with the Maple Leafs. Bing, bang, boom. It's all done. done. Yeah. But if he doesn't, oh boy. You know, strap your seatbelts on, even if you're not a Oof. Maple Leafs fan, because this is going to be a hell of a story. Okay. Um, as we continue with this... Plethora of National Hockey League talk. Oh, I thought you were going to say train wreck. <laughs> a little bit of that here. We've had to take a couple breaks, do some uh, some software stuff, but it seems to be working perfectly now. We have some uh, some some players who've retired in the National Hockey League. Some important players. One of my favorite defensemen in the last few years, mostly because he helped win a Stanley Cup for my Washington Capitals. Brooks Orpik retires after 15 seasons in the National Hockey League. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion with rival teams, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals. Dylan, he made a good chunk of change in his career. $51 million. Oof, not too bad. Also named after the unofficial capital of Alberta. <laughs> the Brooks Bandits. Um, Brooks Orpik, just a couple words. I mean, it, he was, I mean, he's old. No, a solid, solid stay at home defenseman. Kind of, you know, the type of defenseman that we're not necessarily seeing anymore. Nope. Not, not because he can't play in the modern game because he's proven that he can. It's just, systems it's just don't, that don't, kind of breed of defenseman. Well, exactly. He, and systems don't really allow for that type of defenseman. But Barry Trotz, when he was coaching the Washington Capitals, knew that, this guy is so valuable. And Barry Trotz, he's a defensive-minded guy. Man, I'm a defensive a fan. I love watching the, the defense of the National Hockey League, be it a two-way defense game, be it a puck-moving defense game, or be it just a grinding-out old-school um, in-your-zone defense game. And during that Capitals run... Brooks Orpik blew my mind with how strong he was on the boards, behind the net, how he wasn't going to let any puck escape. He was 37 years old in that Stanley Cup run. He uh, he had five points in the 24 games. He had 68 pims that season, zero goals, but 10 assists. How are you, Brooks Orpik? He had only had a career high of 25 points in 2009-2010 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Thank you, Sidney Crosby, I'm sure he's saying. But... When he signed with the Capitals, it was a hefty contract. People were kind of like, oh, I don't I don't know about that. He, he deserved it because clearly the, the the Washington Capitals won a Stanley Cup. And it was, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And he helped. Like, he really did help. I mean, we saw the likes of him, Jay Beagle, you know, Devontae Smith-Pelly. Um, there, there was a couple young players. Uh, they, they're, uh, their names escaped me right off the top of my head. A young Saskatchewan boy as well who just played that hard defensive game and... 
fuck, man. That's that's what I noticed most from that run. Obviously, the Kuznetsov goals were beautiful, and, and Ovechkin was, oh, God, you got to love that Russian beast. But when I think of that series, do you not just yeah. think of you know, the game-winning goals in overtime by Devontae Smith-Pelly or the defensive play by Jay fucking Beagle should have been the MVP? No, I mean, those those kind of guys collectively, you don't win the Stanley Cup without without great, great appearances from all those guys. And Absolutely. Brooks Orpik it was definitely in that group. Um, all right, I'm going to let you uh, introduce this one, Dylan. All right, folks, Roberto Luongo has Bobby announced... Lou. Bobby Lou has announced his retirement after 19 seasons in the NHL. This one's for you, bud. Woo! Right over the laptop. A little risky for Bobby Lou. I like it. Uh, I love him. <laughs> Roberto Luongo announced this uh, in, in quite a fashion, actually, on Twitter with a pair of goalie pads slang over a telephone line right next to an old pair of sneakers. I love it. Um, and just announcing his retire. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but, uh, you know, it was announcing his retirement. He's from hanging the up NHL. his pads for a house in South, in South Beach. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, just just an amazing, um, um, unbelievable career. I, I think his prime was definitely spent in Vancouver. Yep, uh, you know, the 2011 run was amazing. It sucks that he didn't get to win a cup. Um, he it's, got so close. He got so close. You know, his time with with the Florida Panthers before he came over to Vancouver, he was always the guy that everyone talked about. He would be amazing if he actually had a team in front of him. He came to Vancouver. I mean, they they weren't much at the time, but they built up to quite the, quite the team. And, you know, look how close they got. Like you said, they got to within one game. They had a couple other really strong seasons. Um, and and this, is, this guy's just been so consistent his entire career. Even after going to Florida for the second stint, he still really pulled up. Yeah, I mean, they made the playoffs. He was still, you know, in contention sometimes um, for the Vesna. At you know over thirty five years old, um, you know all my stats for this week are going to be hashtag stat guy in, in regards to Roberto Luongo. Dylan, he played over seventy games between two thousand three, two thousand four, and two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Split those two seasons, Florida Panthers and the Vancouver Canucks. He was the captain for the Vancouver Canucks for two seasons. Yes. That was a little controversial. It was weird having the goalie come up to the media and kind of you know. Talk about how the the defensive breakdowns and how the forwards <laughs> weren't scoring enough, and I get it. It it didn't come off well, but listening to you know the likes of Alex Burrows, Kevin BX, uh, Manny Malhotra, all talk about how honestly at that time he was the superstar, he was the face of the franchise, and he actually was the captain of that team. He was one of the leaders when Henrik came out and kind of be, you know became uh, comfortable in that role. He took the mantle. And that's what I've been hearing lately as the last few days here in Vancouver Radio. It's been a fan fest for Roberto Luongo. Um, but he was a true leader in that room. I think that stat's outstanding. I mean, and, and even after that, he, he played over 60 games a season uh, four more times. He played 43 games last year on a hip that barely worked, on a knee that's been so damaged. Obviously, he didn't put up the numbers that he wanted to last season. 
but he's a legend and it's just it sucks and i'm not saying this as a vancouver canucks fan i'm saying this as a as a hockey fan it sucks that this guy doesn't have a stanley cup it really does suck it's one you know there's a handful of players like that you, you know they can throw in that group joe thornton i think is is one of those players that you just maybe he's not maybe. retired yet not retired yet but i don't know if i see the san jose sharks winning uh, a cup here i know there's, um, there's a few montreal canadians believe it or not montreal canadians yeah who've won a, a, a ton of cups who haven't won stanley cups as well and yeah, I mean, Roberto Luong, he was just so great, especially in those first few years when he came to Vancouver. I, I've i never seen a goaltending performance like that. I remember one time seeing graffiti on the side of a building and it said, if Jesus had a breakaway on Luongo, he would stop it. <laughs> and that, that it's kind of summed up how well he was playing. Well, let's continue the stats here, Dylan. Hashtag that guy. 77 shutouts, career average of 2.52 goals against played over a thousand games in the league 1044 to be exact 489 wins third in nhl um history he's he's a beauty a two-time gold olympic gold medalist he was a starter for one one of them in vancouver of all places in 2010 one of the most memorable moments of his career i'm sure and finally Alex Burroughs would not have slayed the dragon if it was not for that save prior that, that Luongo made, which caused the turnover. Campoli has it, flips it, Burroughs steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! They've slayed the dragon! The Vancouver franchise would never have sniffed anywhere close to a Stanley Cup final without Roberto I'm getting, I'm getting chills just like no, thinking about it. I know, because right? it, it, it's kind of far gone. And by the end of his stint in Vancouver, things oh. they weren't sour necessarily. But John but, Tortorella there, so it wasn't sour, it was just yeah, fucking loud. Yeah, and then, then he left on, I don't know, not necessarily great terms. The contract it, sucks. Yeah, that whole situation, but yeah. Yeah, you, you do get the chills thinking about like the, those prime years of Roberto Luongo. So we're going to share the open letter. We probably retweeted it, but we will post the link on Facebook and stuff. The last stat, congratulations, Bobby Lou. You're hamstringing the Canucks with that contract, but you know what? We'll, we'll get into that some other time. We, yeah, we, we can get over it. You, you gave us enough that we can get over that, I think. Yeah, poor Ben Hutton. More I don't know if Ben Hutton's ever yeah, going to get over. Yeah, We're more pissed at Louis Erickson. <laughs> Literally, the reason Ben Hutton couldn't get qualified is because the Canucks didn't have to pay Luongo $3 million for the next three years. But anyways. Uh, my contract sucks. Um, our sub poll from last week, ladies and gentlemen, would you rather party with Alex Ovechkin in the 2018 Capitals or Brett Hall and all the blue beauty Blues alumni? The results have come in 65% for Ovi in the Capitals and 35% for Brett Hall and the Blues alumni. Thank you. Everyone who voted on the sub poll stick in rink pod poll question. Yeah, great results. Uh, I kind of saw that coming because, you know, Ovechkin and the guys were just animals. I know the Blues alumni were animals too, but they're getting old. You know, they're probably still in bed by 11 o'clock. Uh, not Brett Hall. No, but oh, okay, okay. Brett Hall, that guy's still awake. <laughs> that guy like flew to Moscow. was like, oh, man, let's go. And I was like, I don't. That was last year, Brett. He's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> just Brett Hall alone. Alone in Moscow, just ripping it. He's not alone, bud. <laughs> Brett Hall is never alone. Glory, Gloria. 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 I think I got your number. Gloria. Um, all right. We don't want to dive into this too much because, to be honest, Dylan, I don't really... I don't really invest much in the NHL awards. 
But let, let's just give our quick thoughts on if we agree with the hockey writers before bringing on our guest, Curtis Tonev. The Heart MVP, Nikita Kucherov. You can't really argue that one. He had an amazing season. The stats that he put up were, were unbelievable. When he didn't put up three points a night, that was almost a disappointment. Yeah, I was... Uh, the World Hockey Report didn't agree with that on Twitter, and I just... I. I I liked one of their tweets mm-hmm. that just talks about how they, you know they made an argument that Nikita Kucherov's points were perhaps inflated and that other players uh, deserved it more. I, I'm going with Kucherov. I think he 100% deserves the heart and MVP. But I may have made a comment to uh, one Tampa fan. I believe his name was Joe, who oh, no, uh, was Joe. was pissed off, and uh, I, I didn't even get you know offensive i just was like oh good argument but i was uh, called the commie so that's america oh right you were called commie um you know just just i just want to quickly jump back to that argument. comrade um comrade isha. <laughs> comrade isha um like i know nikita kucherov played for an amazing tampa bay team but how can you take that away from a player i mean right? you know he, he he contributed to that team being such a powerhouse yeah there are other great players around him but sometimes great players playing together doesn't necessarily mean good results no he was possessed like he apparently would come to the he would be disappointed if he didn't put up four points a game yeah so he was dialed in and that means he was a guy who was helping to run the offense you don't put up 128 points in the national hockey league and 41 goals you know just just feeding off your line mates even no, the city because look at daniel and hendrick Sedin. they didn't even put up numbers like that they put up just north of 100 but 120 uh, that's points. unbelievable that's, that's unbelievable if he had 40 points less he still would have had a great season man we're just hoping Jake for Tannen less. gets 20 points oh jeez all right <laughs> this guy's got 128 like holy even, moly i don't even want to think about that let's, second round pick like whew. let's move on to the norris trophy the best defenseman Mark Giordano. A hundred percent agree. I love it. What do you what do you call Mark Giordano? What do you compare him to? Uh fine wine? He's, Mark Giordano is like a fine wine. He gets better with age. At 35 years old, he he's peaking the best season of his career, and he wins the Norris Trophy. Sure, were the other candidates close and perhaps was there an argument for them? Absolutely. But I think I think because his season was on par, arguably better than some of those other defenders, and with his story and age, I think you just you just have yeah. to give it to him. I mean, at the yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, Mark Giordano has to go down with the Norris Trophy, and th- this is the time to do it because who knows what the Calgary Flames are going to look like? Who knows how he's going to age in the next few years? I know he's been getting better, like fine wine, but you never know what happens. There's a peak year for everything. In 2015-16, he put up the, you know, a, a huge, significant uh, rise in numbers. Um, he had 48 points the year prior, but he put up 56 points in again 2015-2016. Um, 39, 38 the years prior, and then 74 this season. 74. Unbelievable. So you have to give it to this player. And like we said, like when he put up his 38 points. He was an unbelievable defenseman. I have a, a little bit more of a warm spot in my heart for the Calgary Flames just because I moved to Calgary after high school. The, the Saddledome was the first NHL barn I, I ever saw a game in. And I didn't necessarily root for the Flames because, you know, I saw the Canucks come into town. I saw the Detroit Red Wings come to town when Lidstrom was on the team. I was so drunk for the Dallas game that I only I don't remember anything, to be perfectly honest. Hashtag um, stat guy. Heroin beers. Um <laughs> But but you even have to, you know, smile when Mark Giordano wins this award, even though he's a flame. Oh, I'm smiling right now. There you go. 
I think all most Canucks. No, I'm I'm ha- I'm definitely happy. Most you know, Canucks I've... fans can be happy for this guy, especially because they've seen him grind it out for the last few years. Undrafted, Mark Giordano. Yeah, I think he. This is one of the one of the players that has league wide respect. He had to go play in Russia because he was falling out of favor with the Calgary Flames. Yeah, that's, how crazy is that? I know it's it seems unreal. I mean, w- what a story! I mean, that just shows that you know. Players that are 25 and people are already giving up on them. Look at stories like this. This guy's winning the Norris Trophy at 35. And it's not like he lit it up in Russia. You know, respectable 13 points in 50 games. But in the playoffs, 6 points in 9 games and 35 penalty minutes. He showed up. He showed up and he showed up the next year for the Calgary Flames putting up 19 points in 58 games. How are you? Moving on to the Vezina. The best goaltender in the NHL. The winner is... Andre Vasilevsky. It's like the same thing with Nikita Kucherov. It is. You can have such a good team around you or in front of you, but at the end of the day, if you're not stopping all those NHL caliber shots, your team's going to lose or your stats are going to be shit. His stats are unbelievable. He helped the Tampa Bay put up one of the best seasons I've ever seen in my lifetime watching the National Hockey League. You kind of have to give it to him. Uh, yeah, I I agree. Ben Bishop did have a good season. Ben Bishop had a good season. There, there's you know the other guys in the list in the Robin running. Leonard. They didn't have a season that was a step above his, and I and I think that's why. There I mean, just go. looking at the stats, I mean, if they were all even, I think you had to give it to Vasilevsky. This one we can kind of just quickly pass over because it was obvious. Elias Pettersson wins the. Calder Trophy as best rookie. Jordan Binnington, he just didn't play enough games. I think if he did, if he played 20 more games, he probably would have won it. I think so. And, and, you know, stick taps, a a cap tip to him because Elias Pettersson had a fucking unbelievable season, and I don't say that as being a biased Canucks fan. He was magic out there. Well, and that just shows that if Binnington did play 20 more games and he would have won it, I mean, to beat out a, a Pedersen yeah. season like that is is pretty unreal. I, I think only a Stanley Cup goaltender could beat a beat out a player yeah. like that. Oh wait, wait, Jordan Binnington is a Stanley Cup winner. And speaking of Stanley Cup winner, Ryan O'Reilly wins the Selkie for how's best that for a transition? Forward. And not only was he just a defensive forward, he was point per game as well. He had an unbelievable bounce back season from you know his year at the Buffalo Sabers, where he came out and said he didn't even love hockey anymore. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was quite a year, but yeah, Ryan O'Reilly, we saw in in that final series, this guy, he, he was trucking it to the net. He was injured. He was a power. I think his wrist or his hand, yeah. hand injury too. So wow. Yeah, he was playing through it all. So uh, amazing season for Ryan O'Reilly and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, moving on to the Lady Bing, the uh, the Gentleman's Award. Not the Gentleman's Club. Going to Andre Bar... Well, I guess you are in the Gentleman's Club once you win this award. So entering into the basement of the Gentleman's Club is Andre Barkov. Man, he has little to no penalty minutes this year. Eight penalty minutes despite putting up a 96-point season, 35 goals. He plays hard, but holy crap does he play... Hard and fair, baby. Hard and fair. Yeah, uh, a respectable game, a disciplined game, because I've seen this guy battle. He's a big Finn. He's a big boy out there. And the fact that he only put up eight penalty minutes the year prior, 14, 10, 8. He plays such a discipline and offensive game. This guy, he's not underrated anymore, but at <laughs> 23 years old, he's arguably one of the best centers in the National Hockey League. Holy shit, if Florida 
if somehow Florida Schwang dangles now, they don't have Roberto Luongo on their books anymore, and they get Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, which, by the way, Sergei Bobrovsky, he's a lock now that Roberto Luongo's not yeah, the starting I goalie think so. and is off the books um, in Florida. Man, this Florida team is going to be... They're going to be dangerous. They're going to be a team that, like the New Jersey Devils now, we're going to have to pay attention to in the East. Yeah, I mean, a Panarin... Um, Huberto, and Bark- Barkov, Barkov combination. That would just be terrifying. I don't, I don't even want to think about that That's one. Crazy. Um, the Masterton dedicated crazy. to hockey. The Masterton Award goes to Robin Leonard. Coming off a year where he, you know, faced addiction issues, where he, you know, suffered mental illness, and he was he had an unbelievable speech at the NHL Awards. Um, I'll repost that as well on social media. There's no other player, um, more deserving than Robin Leonard. Now obviously didn't win the Vesna award. I don't think, like you said, he, he wasn't, he was a step under Vasilevsky, but a hundred percent deserving of this award. Um, and still a great season. And, uh, the, the award for the best coach goes to Barry Trotz two years in a row. How are you? We're not going to go through the rest of them, but I just, I, f- I forgot to mention that one on the, on the outline. I just, I wanted to, no, to bring that up. We, we saw Barry at the uh, draft. He was looking good. He yeah, was, he was looking, he was rather chipper. No, he was going around taking selfies, shaking some hands. Can I saw him kiss a baby or two. But how about that? The Jack Sign Adams two years in a row coming off a Stanley cup victory and then going to a New York Islanders team, flipping them around. And I know their exit in the second round via the Carolina Hurricanes. Probably had a little nightmares about that and doesn't want to think about it, but it's unbelievable to, you know, this, this coach has solidified himself as one of the best coaches in National Hockey League history, in my mind. Barry Trotz is just a fucking boss. All right. Now we're going to bring on friend of the program and of CHLY Nanaimo Airwaves, Curtis Toneff. He's the former general manager and coach of the Nanaimo Buccaneers of the VIJHL. Now he's the assistant coach for the Humboldt Broncos of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. You know, hockey fans of all levels, junior all the way to the National Hockey League, you'll love this interview. Thanks again, Curtis, for joining us. Toneff is shed the mitts. He's going up against number 17, Tyler Smith. A couple punches thrown errantly. And now both players will land some rights. A left from Smith, and he's jerseyed. And Tana takes him to the ice. They pat each other, saying, good tilt. Let's go get a shower. First off, Curtis, congratulations on all your recent success in the VIJHL, our local junior B League here on Vancouver Island. How's it going this evening? Uh, it's going well. It's, uh, it's a busy time of year. Uh, we wouldn't really think it in the hockey world, but it's busier in the off season for us than it is uh, during the season some days but it's, it's good absolutely um this year the Nanaimo Buccaneers finished third in the league and second in the division respectfully I mean what were some of the goals you achieved with your club this year um you know be it moving young players forward or, or league success, success and also what areas did you and your team uh, fall short in your mind oh you, you nailed it the first one um which, in, you know, players moving on, we moved on, uh, you know, four players, four players 100% already and counting, hopefully. Uh, Josh, uh, you know, Josh Terry moved on at the January 10th deadline to the Alberni Bulldogs. Uh, uh, Lucas Patton, he's, uh, he's got another year of junior eligibility, but he's going to go play Division three hockey at Finlandia University in Michigan, and that's that's pretty darn good hockey. You don't see a ton of guys 
going Div three from from Junior B, let alone over their nineteen year old year. He, uh, you know, he had a little cup of coffee with Alberta in the BCHL, but you know, a lot of guys from our league uh, are going to BCIHL, which is a good league. Um, but into the states, it's usually the ACHA Division one, which is lower than than NCAA Div three. So NCAA Div three is right below. Uh, Div one like uh, college scholarships that you're seeing a lot of BCHL guys get, and you're seeing a lot of BCHL and NAHL guys going Div three. So from for a guy to go from the BIJHL to there is is pretty cool. And um, Riley Gannon, uh, you know, 16 year old last year got the rookie of the year. He's set to play for the South Surrey Eagles or Surrey Eagles, I should say, uh, as well as Blake Wood is signed in the Nimo here. So. Um, with other guys, you know, got, having good chances at main camps, it's another good year and, and successful year in our minds uh, moving on from the Nanaimo Buccaneers. Absolutely. And again, congratulations on all the success uh, that you've had with the club and, of course, with these players moving forward. Um, what sort of culture and system did you believe you uh, you have to impose, you had to impose on the Buccaneers franchise when you took over as GM and coach? And what type of hockey players did you specifically scout in order to make your system work? You know, my first year I inherited a pretty darn good core for the junior B level. A lot of those players... Being local uh, that year, I, you know, I just found, you know, two real good goalies, Derek Kroll and Blake Wood, and and four or five pretty special, uh, you know, younger guys. So th- that year, it wasn't too difficult of a job to recruit. But I think, um, you know, my number one goal that year was to add some second, some secondary scoring, which sometimes sometimes ended up being. You know, first line type scoring because there there were phases in that season where you know our, our rookies and, and younger guys were leading the way, um, as well as a couple you know good defensemen out of the year. I brought in Lucas Patton, and uh, you know moving forward, I, I, like I said, I inherited a good, pretty good team that year. But a couple of those players that that we brought in have moved on. Luciano Wilson, who's I think he scored about fifteen or fifteen goals or so this year with Cowichan, so it was guys like that, young guys with with bigger, better futures ahead of them at the junior A or WHL level. But, uh, moving forward to this year, it was it was the same type of idea. We had the owner, and it was a good uh, good way to kind of start fresh, and, and we got a lot of good young talent, and a lot of it being local. And, uh, to answer the second part of your question, as far as system systems and way we play and whatnot, the the Buccaneers, ever since day one, have always been a team that has kind of been really quick transition and played a heavy kind of, you know, mean style game. And I never really changed any of that. I just tried to, you know, uh, decipher whether it was a time to give some tough love to guys or, or uh, time to lay off. You know, we, we would uh, we'd adjust our systems uh you know, here and there, but I'm not a huge system guy. I believe more in habits and and concepts and verbiage on the ice. I, I wouldn't say I, you know, I probably under, under, I don't know what the term for it is, but I probably don't do enough system work. I, I'm more, you know, I've got most of my players, I'm 
that plays for me. I'm kind of obsessed with a good stick and and head on a swivel and those little things that you learn from the time you're seven till you're you know in the NHL. It, it does. I don't think the game changes. Uh, we shouldn't try and reinvent the wheel too much. But um, yeah, it was two fun years in the Nimal for sure. I can't uh, can't say I traded for anything. Well, actually, I joined the broadcast team for the Peninsula Panthers the year that you took over as head coach and GM. And right off the bat, uh, you know, my, my co-broadcaster, Will Bryant, and I noticed, you know, the unique style that the Nanaimo Buccaneers played. It was my first year just covering the VIJHL. And, uh, you know, that toughness, that, that style with an edge that you just kind of described was evident. And one of the more unique teams that came through the Panorama Recreation Center the last two years, Curtis, again, we're joined by Curtis Toneff, now assistant coach for the Humboldt Broncos of the SJHL. Um, what are you going to bring to the Humboldt Broncos next season as an assistant coach? I know you're no stranger to coaching uh, Junior A hockey as you spent two seasons as an assistant with the Trail Smoke Eaters of the BCHL, but going from head coach of a team to an assistant role, obviously your approach will have to change. Absolutely. I, you know, as an assistant coach, you're there first and foremost to support um, and be a secondary voice from the head coach. And um, I think the number one thing is, as an assistant coach, uh, what goes around comes around. I think the number one thing is being loyal uh, you know, to the head coach and the board and the, the team's beliefs and philosophies. And, um, you know, second, secondary, you know, I'm a, as a defenseman, I'm going to work with the team's defense. So, you know, we're going to have a real young team there and uh, just making those guys better every day. And at the end of the day, just work hard, working hard as a coach, putting in the hours. Um, you know, I'm a single guy. I don't really have any distractions. So, Therefore, I have no real excuse, uh, you know, not to put in the long hours and, and uh, you know, do whatever, do whatever I can, whatever it takes, kind of. In your playing days, you spent time in the four top junior A leagues in Canada, the MJHL, the SJHL, AJHL, and arguably the best, in my opinion, the BCHL. Uh, how big is the gap between junior B leagues in Canada and leagues such as, you know, say the SJHL, which you will now be coaching, and say the MJHL as well? Biggest difference would be at this point, uh, most you're asked most guys. I would say individual skill to a man um, from league to league. But with that being said, uh, playing all those leagues, I didn't find it any easier to to make plays or score goals than you know the SJHL or the you know the MJHL. Uh, those leagues, uh, you know, the Prairie leagues, they're they're harder to. And I would say they're a bit more pro style. There's a, a lot more WHL type players, maybe moving on towards the dub or on their way back down. Um, and the BCHL, you're going to find some very special players on each and every team that are difference makers, and um, it's a bit more of a you know a skilled brand uh, in that league. And I think all those four leagues have great goaltending. Keep in mind, it's been five or six years, and I haven't watched too many games outside of the BCHL. But from when I played, that's uh, that's how I, I saw it anyway. Uh, obviously, for me playing all four of those leagues, I was a bit of a journeyman, so I wasn't perfect myself. And uh, but I, I don't know if that's a record. Not <laughs> 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 just in all four of those leagues, but it was uh, it was pretty cool to 
to say I did that now. At the time, it was maybe a bit stressful, but uh, yeah, it was it was good. And you know, just the just the different buildings and uh, you go into in those leagues. You know, you're gonna you're gonna find some intimidating rinks. You're gonna find some big bright rinks. You're gonna find three thousand butts. You're gonna find and, and seats. You're gonna find. 32 with a small rice surface and it's minus 40 out. It, 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 it was, uh, it was fun to see it from, uh, you know, maybe a BC point, BC boy point of view and, and some of those other places, it's just how much they like their hockey. But, um, yeah, I'll kind of leave it at that and wrap it on a bit now. Well, well, absolutely. And that's actually such, such a great answer. And Hey, you broke the record as, uh, one of our guests who's played in all of these leagues on the Sticker Rink podcast there, Curtis. But in talking about the rinks, I mean, I'm so, I'm a hockey nerd. I love the game. I didn't get the chance to play it at any sort of level like you did. But I imagine that, like you said, at the time it was probably really stressful. But now looking back, I mean, the amount of rinks, the amount of crowds, the amount of atmospheres that you got to uh, just soak in and be a part of is, is something that I imagine you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life. So that's amazing. And uh, that wasn't rambling at all. To, to follow up, though, in in regards to coaching in the VIJHL and say the BCHL and the SJHL, how does the coaching staff as a whole have to prepare and game plan for uh, a junior A franchise versus a junior B? And I know uh, the NHL drafts out of junior A, thus the level of hockey is obviously high, so that's a factor, but there must be just, just more. And I know you said you're not much of a systems guy, but I'd just like to get your perspective now going uh, up the ranks to junior A. It's time management in a lot of ways, uh, both sides of the fence. Uh, you know, in Junior B, the VIJHL, a lot of these guys are full-time students, uh, maybe high school students going full days, or working men that have full-time jobs that are nine-to-five guys. And they don't want their time wasted necessarily. They don't want to go to the rink for something that you know maybe could have done right after practice they don't want to go there for 20 minutes when maybe you could have done it the night before so um, when you do have a team meeting or a one-on-one meeting or you do some video there has to be a purpose and it has to be managed properly uh, you know on the flip side of that um, junior a players and in those leagues more so full-time hockey players but at the same time you play 60 games at that level or 58 as opposed to 48 so you're playing a lot of hockey so maybe you're not practicing quite as much and you're at the rink a lot more and you're on the bus a lot more so again like anyone no one wants their time wasted so when you you, know, you have a meeting you, you have it with a purpose and you're straight to the point and, uh, and, and sometimes maybe you don't even have a meeting maybe you send a guy a video of uh, you know a defenseman in the NHL or video of himself playing and, and text back and forth about it or talk on the phone for five minutes kind of thing. So I, I think at the end of the day, the, the like I said prior, the, there's no reinventing the wheel. No one wants their time wasted as a, as a player. And um, when you're going cold those meetings, it better be well thought out and, and well uh, well brought out because you know, if you if you bring a team in and your laptop doesn't work or it's dead or you've got your court, then you're wasting you know twenty to twenty three guys' time essentially. So I I'd say just you know have a purpose to every everything you do with these players. 
Um, before wrapping up here, Curtis, one final question. With all that surrounded the humble Broncos last season, example, you know, their head coach stepping down halfway through the season, a few veteran players and a ton of rookies coming together, and, you know, a town still as supportive as ever despite the conference loss, how is a new coaching staff expected to perform this season? You know, uh, Scott, Scott's been there for a year. He was the assistant coach uh, up until Christmas, and then he took over as the interim head coach, Scott Barney. Uh, you know, now he's got that interim title removed, kind of like you know, Barube, uh kind of thing. Like he's got a uh, multi-year contract. So we're going to be young. Uh, the, the SHL is typically an older league, but we're going to go, as far as I know, very young as far as six six or seven underage players, meaning next year O2s and O3s. So, uh, you know, I think long days of the rink are expected, you know, for us too, to uh, to make the team as good as it can be. And then in return over, uh, you know, the span of a year or two, uh, you know, become a force and, and be a, a team that uh, counted and people start to really pay attention to. Um, on the ice because um, there is a you know secret it's a bit of a bit of a rebuild for us so it'll be a, it'll be a very fun challenge and and a challenge it will be again Curtis congratulations on all your success in the VIJHL as head coach and GM of the Nanaimo Buccaneers and congratulations on this opportunity um, as assistant coach mining the defense for the humble Broncos. And thank you for all the time that you've given us here on Stick in Rink. Have a great summer and uh, go get another championship with the Broncos. Thanks, Aisha. And uh, appreciate you having me on the show and look forward to uh, listening uh, into the future. Give me a shout anytime. Thanks, Curtis. He's a BC boy. Speaking of British Columbia, we're going to dive into a little bit more Canucks talk again. Oh, God. I know it's a long episode, folks, and I, just full disclaimer, we will get into a lot more Canucks talk in the next few weeks on CHLY as we wrap up, stick wrap in it up. the rink, and the Canucks offseason. Again, July 14th, July 28th, 4 to 7, oh, that's right, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific Time, CHLY.ca, or 101.7 FM Nanaimo. As always, you can download our one, two, and three for these last two ones, uh, Stick Ring Podcast, your stick in rink podcast feed uh quickly on our draft experience dylan i know we talked a little bit about it earlier in the show but definitely worth the cost you know we didn't buy that first day that friday inflated four hundred dollars or even north of a hundred dollar ridiculous fucking stupid i don't even want to get into that but i think we got the bang for our buck we came back with a bag of pucks (laughs) we really did literally we literally came home with uh the those uh the draft pucks. Yeah, those series draft pucks. I got you know, all three of them. I was like, if I'm going to spend 30 bucks and it's not going to be on beer at 10 a.m., it's going to be on draft pucks. I went for the pigeon move. I only took one. That's okay. Um, I got all three. I opted for, uh, yeah. I, nice I opted, white, I nice opted for one. a white spot meal on the ferry instead. There you go. There you go, bud. I dropped all my fries. Oh. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. We were, getting, we were getting some looks on that ferry, too. Yeah, well, that's not what not good ones when, either, uh, folks. Hit up trail, then the ferry. Um, but overall, draft experience, we went into it thinking, you know, I don't even like... like I don't know what to like expect. Like a baseball game. I didn't know if I was going to last all the innings. I didn't know if I was going to last all the rounds. To be fair, we we left right when the seventh round was starting just because we were hungry as hell and we had a ferry to catch. 
I was into it the whole time. Even we I could have si- stayed. Even when we were sitting there and there was nothing going on, you know, there were some points we weren't really even talking. We whipped out, you know, our hockey news magazine. We uh, we had our phones out. We were looking up some of these players, tweeting away, um, just getting surprised and pissed off at other Canucks fans going ham over this JT Miller trade. It was just cool to be there. In the, in the atmosphere, yeah. absolutely. And the whole time I was thinking, like, I'm I'm a hockey nerd and I love this. Just sitting here, I absolutely love this. You took a, a couple sweet uh, videos as well, some content that we'll throw out there um, when we post this. No, I mean it, it's something. It, it's it, there's a certain feel to be in the same building as all the GMs of of every NHL team. You see all the media members that you see all the time. You see, you know, co- constantly in the hallways. You know, people that are very important in, in hockey organizations, players guys that just got drafted their families walking around with all the new gear from the team they just got drafted for like you know they're, Alex they're, hugging his boys yeah like they're you know they're immediately avalanche fans the whole family they're just so pumped they're so jacked on the abs it's it was just awesome you to know, see i was pleasantly surprised to see up until the sixth round the amount of players and their families in the stands you know even your yeah that's, players that's were there. so true there were so many players who were there and i was surprised to see yeah, no, it, it was great to see. and uh, The U.S. Development Program. U.S. Development Program. Into the seventh round, these guys were being taken, ladies and gentlemen. So they weren't lying. I think north of 14 players out of that program were taken. Yeah, they, they just dominated. And also, Lord Stanley was actually in the building. We opted right. to not take a picture with it. Thanks because, for bringing this up. Because we felt like, you know what, we, we didn't deserve it. Our, our team hadn't won the cup yet. I, I just didn't even want to touch it i almost said uh, i got i was ner- kind of scared of it i know i was just gonna i got nervous just, a there was an hour lineup which if the vancouver canucks won i'd 100 percent. or you know if the capitals and you know, if i was in washington i'd go and see it because i'm a capitals fan um if minnesota wins it next year obviously i'm flying to minnesota to go <laughs> take a picture of it we'll get into that later but like you said i was nervous i was like ah St. Louis Blues won this cup. This isn't my cup to take a picture with. I, what, am I going to feel good being next to the Stanley Cup that my no. team didn't win? What the fuck? No. I was, Stand next to the cup that burnt our city down? Oh. So <laughs> I, I looked at it. I, I took a couple pictures. I actually deleted them off my phone. Yeah, I deleted them too. <laughs> you they gone. They gone. That's hilarious. I... Because you didn't tell me that you deleted them. That's well, I just thing. deleted a bunch of pictures, and that was those were some of them. Well, it's because I was just like, I, I don't want to look at this. Like, why am I looking mm-hmm. at a cup that we did not win? Uh, and also, it's I got beautiful. There, there's better pictures of the Stanley Cup out there than I can take on my phone. People taking pictures, <laughs> yeah, with a bunch of random. <laughs> Do you people. remember that guy who was like, hey, "It's the best way to get a picture," and like people were leaving. He's like, "No, no, no!" And he like ran in there, starting taking his like. Oh uh, yeah, God. but I wasn't prepared to Shout wait. Out to Dave. Wait over an hour, to, Dave Jenkins, to stand next to the cup. You're a bro. Um, development camp going on right now, Dylan, the Canucks development, development camp, that is. Uh, Brogan Rafferty, Josh Tevis, and Nils Hoglander are looking solid. And by the way, Hoglander's workout videos are insane. Folks, He's a hog. If you listen to Sportsnet Radio or TSN here in Canada, uh, you probably already heard about this. But from unicycle workouts, juggling on the unicycle, which is not a <laughs> strange thing for Swedes, apparently, because we saw a picture of Elias Pedersen doing this last year as well. But this kid's core workouts... Well, I heard that's actually part of the grade 5 curriculum. Oh, there you go. Um, clown school, what up? Uh, this kid's... Uh, he's an athlete. He He's a he's a goddamn athlete. I'm super excited that Jim Benning drafted uh, Hoglander. I mean, the Hockey News had him, what, in the 20s? He was in 20s? late 20s, early, mid-20s, I think. 24, I think, is where he was at. So, Whew. a solid... How was that for a number? And, oh, does he have soft hands? Zonk! 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think this is going to be a solid, a solid player for the Vancouver Canucks. We need, you know, as many top six forwards as we can get, you know, skilled offensive guys. Do I think he's going to step in to the Vancouver Canucks this season? Yeah. Like lots of people online are, are kind of hinting at. No, this guy's going to take two, three years before he can step in to an NHL role. Uh, but at the end of the day, I th- I think we got a great pick in the second round. We did. We absolutely did. But like you said, people who are like, hot take, Nils Hallgender makes the Vancouver Canucks. No, that's a stupid take because A, we have too many forwards right now that we have to ship out. And B, people last year were talking about potentially Elias Pettersson getting a cup of coffee, myself included. And yes, I was foolish. Um, getting a cup of coffee in the AHL before coming to the National Hockey League, and that was upon winning a championship, being the playoff MVP, MVP, being the league MVP. Nils Hoglander has 14 points. Calm the fuck down. No, I, people really need to calm down, and it's it's kind of war, baby. Well, and it's kind of hilarious how people like that get, actually get praise for for making hot takes or whatever they want to call it like that. You're just blowing smoke. You're just Foolish. making things up in your head and just posting them. I mean, Foolish. it's it's just so out. Like, reality is just not even close to where they are. They got to take a step out of that Vancouver Canucks they really bubble. really do. And Canucks Twitter has just really infuriated me the last week. I just I normally don't comment on it. I really stay away, but it's just been so hard the last week. It's insane. Because usually I'm the you're, you're the one coming and be like Isha, tone it down, tone it down. I'm like, all right, Dylan, I'll tone it down. Um, but this week you're the one who came, you know, foot stomping into my door. Isha, do you see this fucking shit on Canucks Twitter? Yeah, Did you hear what the guys on TSN 1040 were it's saying? It's rattling. Like, yeah, it's rattling. Um, do you think Canucks Twitter has gotten progressively worse the last two years? Yeah, no, it hasn't gotten better. So yeah, it's gotten well, just worse because they've been they've been so used to losing a and it's all this being, negativity well, and being wrapped around this narrative that the Canucks have to rebuild. The Canucks have to rebuild, which we kind of highlighted earlier. We're too long now into this whatever plan to be rebuilding. We have some assets. They have to do something. So I don't know what's going on. I mean, fair that the fan base is losing patience with the no plan plan every year, like I said, but we get it. There's a foolish bunch out there on Twitter. They're loud. They're irrational. They're not fans of the game, though they think so based on playing BGM on <laughs> NHL 19 or whatever. They're only fans of their team, and that you know, and and that's the Canucks. But we will dive into more ranting about Canucks Twitter probably, and uh, we'll dive into these picks and other specific Canucks news and our thoughts on the club moving forward in depth in the depths of this off season and into September. Um, either next week on the radio show or on the podcast, um, or sorry, next week's podcast or on the radio show again, July 14th and 28th. Um, but we want to close out this podcast with one last quick segment, the questions from Twitter. You all right with that, Dylan? Let's head it up. Alright, Derek Rebel, we're starting with you. The Harewood Rebel at Derek Rebel. Hmm. Uh, what should Jim Benning's top priority be this offseason, Dylan? Give me one move you would like to see him accomplish. Well, Jim Benning has already acquired a top six forward, uh, JT Miller, which I think was Jack. was which was an extremely important piece. You know, I, the obvious answer is we need another defenseman. We need to shore up that defense. 
but it's tough. How, how do you get that defenseman? Do you sign a UFA like Tyler Myers and where you know you're going to overpay and, and pay Jake this guy Gardner, for too or long? Jake or Jake Gardner. Um, or do you try and swing a trade for a defenseman? You want a hot take? And I think this Let's is a better it. hot take than Nils Hoglander making the team. A two-year deal for like Anton Strahlman. He's 30, what, two years old? Sure. Why not that? Because we just need a stopgap. We don't need someone for seven years. No, we don't necessarily. So what if Anton Strahlman, you pay him a little higher, like... Give him, honestly, give him the Alex Edler contract. I was contract. about to say the Alex Edler contract. But with without any protection. Yeah. You know, or or um, no trade. No, no protection will give you an extra 500K. Is that a, Go is buy that yourself a hot a take, Rolls Dylan? Royce I think that's a hot take. No, I I, th- I would definitely consider that if I was Jim Benning. And I know, yeah, like people would go nuts because they're signing a 32-year-old defenseman. He may but even it's be no, like 33. But it, besides the point. I know he's not quick anymore, but he's still... A very serviceable defenseman. He's definitely a top four. And if he, even if he isn't, it solidifies um, the defense, and it, it just it surrounds Quinn Hughes with with, with the veterans and, and players who can play defensive hockey. So, Derek, to answer your question, well, I'm going to give you two parts. I think shore parts. shore up the defense and also get rid of one or two contracts, like a Brandon Sutter was one of these bottom six guys that we Louis have. Louis Erickson. Louis bottom Erickson. six Louis Erickson. Because we have a lot of them. Just get rid of one of them at least. Because we we need to clear up some space, not only cap space, but also roster space. Well, dude, we still have uh, Ryan Spooner. And he's at yep. a $3 million, over $3 million cap. Hit. Like, he's got to go. He's he's definitely going to go. He may even go. be bought out, honestly. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, thanks, Derek, for the question. That got us all fired up again. This very Canucks-heavy episode. But hey, we were at the draft. And um, Vancouver Twitter is uh, fucked, just like the draft pick. <laughs> Anyways, at Jersey Devils OG, that's Jersey Do- Joe. And shout out Jersey Joe. He's actually going to be uh, hosting the New Jersey Devils podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network coming out October 1st, Dylan. So, folks, very go, excited about go that. Go follow at HockeyPodNet on Twitter for your chance uh, to get in on summer giveaways and to get all your info on the newest podcast network that's going to host all 31 National Hockey League teams. All right. Moving on to Jersey Joe's question. Once again, thank you, Jersey Joe. Uh, do you see Ray Shiro making a move with Vancouver? So not to Vancouver. You don't want Ray Shiro moving to, <laughs> to the province of British Columbia. Um, do I think the Vancouver Canucks and the New Jersey Devils will make a trade? You know, if there was one trade I could see them potentially making, looking at the direction of the New Jersey Devils, seeing as they want to try and make a push for the playoffs, maybe on the cheap, a guy like Chris Tanev, if they, yeah. if they could get a guy like that to add to their defense. Otherwise, I, I don't see what the Vancouver Canucks have that the New Jersey Devils want, and, and vice versa, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, because everything that the Vancouver Canucks... They're just Canucks, in odd positions. Everything that the Vancouver Canucks would want, the New Jersey Devils wouldn't be prepared to give up or, or at an even palatable price. I mean, Will Butcher was the first player to, to come to mind, but he got 30 points last year, and he's he's one of their top four defenders. I mean, Andy Green, he's a little long in the tooth now at 35 years old, though he still plays top four minutes. Why would the Canucks want him? And that's a player who the New Jersey, New Jersey Devils would want to see leave. However, New or Jersey Joe's... I'm going to give him the long name. No, Jersey Joe. A player that I think Jim Benning could perhaps make, and this is... Again, this is a little out of left field, but I think it would appease the fan base, and it would only work if the Canucks uh, had the room for him. And I don't know if they do, but they could take on a contract like um, I don't know, maybe one of one of their older players. They they could do that and mm-hmm. just find a spot for him, or 
maybe send him to the minors. I don't know. That That's the only move I could see. It would be some sort of move that would help salary in on both fronts. Nice to have an East Coast-based uh, question. Kind yeah, of I mean, East Coast, West Coast, Hudson Bay Row. I know you were, you know, you're giving it some New Jersey Devils flavor, but to be perfectly honest, the teams are... They're not even close to each other. They don't really have a, a, a record of trading with each other recently. Um, so, yeah. Great question. We're going to move on to our regular on questions from Twitter, Shane Van Ice. That's at Van Ice Shane. He the wants, nicest of Shanes. Uh, I'll, I'll let you ring this one off. Would you rather have Masai Ujiri, the general manager and president of the Toronto Raptors, as your Canucks GM over Jim Benning? You know what? I would. Absolutely. Can he get on the next plane here? Uh, well, I, the, the puck is shaped a little bit different than the basketball. It is. But I think this guy, you know, I, I think he's, uh, if he was president, I think he could still do a better job than what Jim Benning and the no president are doing right now for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I, I know it's a different sport and it, this is this is obviously a reach and we're having fun with this one. But since Masai Ujiri took over with the Toronto Raptors in 2013, 48 win season, 49, 56, 51, 59, 58, and the NBA championship. So Not too bad. Jim Benning, not the best track record with only one playoff appearance. Masai Ujiri, I mean, he made the playoffs every single year except for his first year taking over you know, the team as they were in transition. Um, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> Bring him in. Bring him in. Even if he doesn't even watch the games, he just handles the finances and talks to the big boys and investors. You know, make sure Aquilini you know, stays happy. I'm sure he could do a better job than what Jimbo and the crew are doing right now. And just let's, you know, Jimbo, take care of everything on the ice. I'll handle everything behind the scenes. All right. Thank you to everybody that contributed to questions from Twitter. All right. Um, our radio affiliate, CHLY, is always looking for donations and local sponsors, folks. We're not going to be with them for too much longer, so get your donations in. But, hey, we're going to be sticking around. Well, our brand will be sticking around, around as we hand it over to Ride the Pod. And their listenership is skyrocketing as ours is as well, Dylan. It's always skyrocketing, so we would love to help local businesses on the island in Vancouver and Pacific Northwest region. So, Contact us. We're still going to have the same social media um, uh, handles at Stick in Rink Pod or shoot us an email, stickinrinkpodcast at gmail.com. I mean, the only closing thoughts I have, Dylan, are in regards to the Hockey Podcast Network. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a hell of, a, hell of an experience, folks. So, folks, we were saying that, you know, we, we were going to talk about our next project moving forward and kind of the reason why we're handing over the reins of the Stick Ring Podcast to the boys at Ride the Pod, Elijah and Josh, shout out. And we're going to bring them on the show. The end of Sticker Rig, episode 100, we're going to literally hand the reins over to them and we're going to bring them on as our final guests on the show. Um, but the, the, this project that we've been talking about is the Hockey Podcast Network, which we've kind of been hinting at, saying, you know, the Sticker Rink has been a product of this. And we talked about earlier on the show, um, this is a network that Dylan and I have built that uh, is going to host every single National Hockey League team and a podcast about it. We have unbelievable hosts who are signed up and ready to do this. Oh, they are, there are some eager beavers out there. It's great. We are too. From those who are established in the podcast world, you know, 
way higher than us. I mean, we're pigeons in the eyes of some of these people and those who actually work in sports media, be it KMOX Radio, shout out Tom Franklin, or those who work in Fox. So it's a great roster of podcasters and media hosts that we have who are going to be covering the entire National Hockey League. Folks, come October 1st, you swipe your podcast app Monday morning, you're going to have one podcast for every single National Hockey League team. Come Thursday, you swipe that bitch again, you're going to get another 31 episodes. It's more content that you'll be able to handle as a hockey fan. So, hey. It's going to be the only place you're going to have to go for hockey podcast content. It, it, it really, really is. is. So, be it if you're only a West Coast fan, you only want to listen to Flames, Oilers, Canucks. They're all going to be there. Seattle in the next couple of years, obviously. We're going to add them to the roster when they come into the league. And you're, ask, you're probably thinking now, okay, well, this, this sounds like an awesome idea. Why aren't you and Dylan going to continue doing Stick and Rink? Well, Ride the Pod, Elijah and Josh, they do such a great podcast themselves. They're in the Vancouver region. And to be honest, they're going to do a better job than us. <laughs> so we, we're handing everything over to them to cover Vancouver on the Hockey Podcast Network. And Dylan, do you want to give the announcement of uh, what we're going to do? All right, folks. Drumroll, please. We will be presenting... The Minnesota Wild for the 2019-2020 season on the Hockey Podcast Network. And we're really excited to cover the Wild. And, you know, to our folk, to our fans listening on Stick and Rink, I'm going to be perfectly transparent and tell you why we chose Minnesota. Um, Dylan and I, as we were scouting, as we were getting people ready to sign on to the Hockey Podcast Network, we had... We did actually have a ton of interest for Minnesota, but they were already working on their own projects. And a lot of them were, you know, affiliated with The Athletic and some other uh, local medias um, that they had co- that they were under contract with. So they just could not you know, give their time to embark on another venture. So it was hard to get someone locked in for Minnesota. Dylan and I said, we love podcasting. We love talking hockey. As you folks know, we're more hockey fans than we are Canucks fans, even though this is our team. So we're prepared to talk about any franchise, except for one, <laughs> which was the Boston Bruins, because we couldn't do that justice talking about the Boston Bruins. I guess you could throw Toronto in there, but we filled Toronto's spot pretty yeah. pretty quickly. We, like To be honest, we couldn't do that to Boston Bruins fans. We wouldn't do it justice to our product, ladies and gentlemen. No, it wouldn't. So um, it dwindled down to the last few teams and Boston was in there. And Dylan and I finally were like, okay, we're not just going to wait till the last team. We're going to choose one of these that we had on the list. And that was the Minnesota Wild because they're an interesting team right now. They had a hell of a draft. And once we land in St. Paul, shit's going to go wild. Oh, St. Paul, you don't know what's coming. But yeah, Minnesota, it is an interesting team going through a transition period. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, and, and there always seems to be storylines going on with the Minnesota Wild and just an amazing fan base. For exactly. I can't wait to land there to gauge the fan base, to tell them all about what we're doing, to just get a feel for the market so we're not a bunch of pigeons on the West Coast talking <laughs> about <laughs> this <clears throat> pardon Minnesota Wild um franchise, but they're also a former rival of the Vancouver Canucks. So folks, stay tuned for Soda Pod. The Soda Pod. As always, you can find us, the Stick Ring Podcast, on Patreon, patreon.com slash stickeringpodcast, uh, the Patreon pregame show. An extra podcast is yours for $1, so be sure to check that out and support us on Patreon. As always, you can follow the Stick Ring Podcast on all social media outlets at Stick and Ring Pod, and it's not going to change now that it's on the Hockey Podcast Network, folks, but please go give the Hockey Podcast Network a follow at Hockey Pod net and enter the contests. Um, 
You can follow the hosts, myself, at VI Sports Talk. You can follow Dylan at D-Y-L underscore stick and rink. Download the show wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, where can they find our producer, who's also going to be on the Hockey Podcast Network? You can find our producer at producer underscore T. E-E. And he's going to be covering the San Jose Sharks, ladies and gentlemen. We're really oh, that's excited be a for that one. So there you go. A ton of closing thoughts. A long-ass episode, but so much happened this week, Dylan. Thanks for, uh, thanks for bearing through it all with me. We made it through. We made it through. Two beers in. I love it. Bobby Lou, we love you. Off the trail. Please rate and review. You like that rhyming? Oh, how are you? Oh. <laughs>